This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wade. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. As we kick off another night of fun and excitement, uh, we will, by the way, just got the news, we are going to be live on the radio uh, tomorrow night as well as the following day. So New Year's Eve, we will be here with you, as well as New Year's Day. And, of course, Saturday, we'll always, we're live then, too. So live all week, uh, shows from Free Talk Live. All right, so uh, let's continue this discussion that has been just happening day in and day out to some extent on this program, and that is about security theater. Um, of course, the, uh, the the airline situation with the the guy with the uh, the un- un- I guess they're calling him the underwear bomber now, <laughs> or the testicle bomber. He kind of stirred things up again, and uh, people are talking about the issue of uh, of airline security. And as we pointed out on this show so many times, it's just theater. It's just for show. Anybody that wants to get some kind of weapon, some kind of device on a plane, if they're dedicated enough to doing it, they will be successful. You know, Even if that means they have to throw multiple people at multiple planes in order to get a fraction of them through, they will get them through. So it's all just an illusion. It's all, in my opinion, something that is basically designed to give bureaucracy an excuse to expand and control more people and essentially acclimate the American public to being searched mm-hmm. uh, at, at a moment's notice and uh, get them prepared for even more intrusions into their privacy and more intrusions uh, into their person. But we're not the only one uh, ones that think this. Bruce Schneier from the uh, Schneier.com, Schneier on Security, we've shared some of his thoughts in the past. Now, this guy isn't a total liberty dude, but he is an expert on security. And he is asking the question, is aviation security mostly for show? This from CNN.com. Last week's attempted terror attack on an airplane heading from Amsterdam to Detroit has given rise to a bunch of familiar questions. How did the explosives get past security screening? What steps could be taken to avert similar attacks? Why wasn't there an air marshal on the flight? And predictably, government officials have rushed to institute new safety measures to close holes in the system exposed by the incident. But will that really actually do anything? And before we go on with his thoughts, let's answer a couple of his questions here. How did the explosives get past security screening? Well, security screening isn't designed to, get, um, to go after these explosives necessarily. It's designed to go after metal. Guns and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that, I know that they have these bomb-sniffing things, but they don't send everybody through them. And when they do tests on security, they get people by all the time with knives and guns anyway. So what are the chances if, if you uh, were, were to really be serious about smuggling some weapon on a plane, sooner or later you or a group of people that you're affiliated with could do it? But, Absolutely. So it is security theater. And you know, I've been in many airports in, since 9-11 happened. And I've seen them drag handicapped people with clearly atrophied legs through through the uh, scanners, the metal mm-hmm. detectors. I've seen them, you know, with old ladies, searching old ladies, and it just breaks my heart to see that. So uh, he asked the question, well, what steps could be taken to avert similar attacks? Not really anything the government can do. There's not really much the, the state can do about this. The, the people on the plane were the ones that took the steps to avert the attack. Right. They were the ones that made sure that this guy was taken down. Like in the Richard Reed situation, it was very similar, the shoe bomber. Yeah, you don't need to have a federal marshal on every plane in order to keep planes safe. 
You just need to have people who are ready to uh, to jump in at a moment's notice. Preferably uh, allowing people to be armed, I think, is the way to go to have a yeah, you know, if an airline wants to allow that, they should be free to allow passengers to uh, to be armed on flights. And then those terrorists are going to have even more to to, uh, to fear. Or um, at the very least, you, you, you make airlines responsible for their own security. And then uh, people are responsible for deciding which airlines they want to, to fly on. They'll, they'll fly on the ones that make them feel most secure. I don't know how it is they'll make themselves feel most secure. Maybe it would be subsonic rounds. Every passenger gets a, a 38 handed to them on the way in. I don't know. I'm not proposing that. I have no idea what the best uh, scenario is. But, um, you know, you, you should leave it to the, these airlines will figure it out. They'll do it more efficiently. They'll pro- actually provide customer service, which the TSA has no interest in providing. Right. And, um, you know, people, more people would, the airline industry wouldn't be shrinking like it is now. Fewer people wouldn't be flying like right. it is now. People are not flying today. And I suspect it's not because of the threat of terror. It's because of the reality of terror screening. But what, Absolutely. Ab- what about the, just arming the pilot and the crew? You know, uh, with the proper training, those people could handle themselves just fine against somebody trying to hijack a plane. It seems like the easiest, uh, the, the easiest and first step: secure the bulkhead uh, door, the the cabin door, so that you can't just you know spray it up with an AK-47 and kill everybody in there, and uh, then you know put the put the guns right there by the pilots, train the pilots in the use of them or, or whatever. But you know, maybe that maybe that's not the best. Uh, you know, usage. I would think I don't know. It makes the most sense to have the passengers having the ability to be armed because then the terrorists, so-called, would know that they're up against an unknown number of opponents. Yeah. Uh, so it's a possibility. I don't know. Ian, if you were on a plane and somebody started doing that, would you would you help? Would you jump on them? I mean, for what what it's worth. Yeah. Because I, I could big. actually see you on the guy's shoulders, like punching him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going on a plane anytime soon. I can tell you that. I have no interest. If I'm going somewhere, I would like to drive. I will do everything I can to avoid flying. But Shire continues. He says, reviewing what happened is important, but a lot of the discussion is off base, a reflection of the fundamentally wrong conception that most people have of terrorism and how to combat it. Terrorism is rare and far rarer than many people think. It's rare because very few people want to commit acts of terrorism, and executing a terrorist plot is much harder than television makes it appear. The best defenses against terrorism are largely invisible in investigation, intelligence, and emergency response, but even these are less effective at keeping us safe than our social and political policies both at home and abroad. However, and I hate this term, our elected leaders, (laughs) not my leaders, don't think this way. They're far more likely to implement security theater against movie plot threats. A movie plot threat is an overly specific attack scenario. Whether it's terrorists with crop dusters, terrorists contaminating the milk supply, or terrorists attacking the Olympics, specific stories affect our emotions more intensely than mere data does. Stories are what we fear. It's not just hypothetical stories. Terrorists flying planes into buildings, terrorists uh, with explosives strapped to their legs or with bombs in their shoes, and terrorists with guns and bombs waging a coordinated attack against a city are even scarier movie plot threats because they actually happen. Security theater refers to security measures that make people feel more secure without actually doing anything to improve their security. An example, the photo ID checks that have sprung up in office buildings. No one has ever explained why verifying that someone has a photo ID proves or provides rather any actual security. But it looks like security to have a uniformed guard for hire looking at ID cards. Airport security examples include the National 
Guard troops stationed at U.S. airports in the months after 9-11. Their guns had no bullets. The U.S. color-coded system of threat levels, the pervasive harassment of photographers, and the metal detectors that are increasingly common in hotels and office buildings since the Mumbai terrorist attacks are additional examples. Right. It's so silly, this idea of it. Well, you can't have people going around and taking pictures of buildings because terrorists might be obtaining intelligence in this manner. Because it's it, for one thing, it's enforced in such a haphazard and arbitrary fashion that they're they're not they're, they're not screening out one out of every ten people that are taking pictures of yeah. these buildings. So it's it's just so, screening the ones that are obviously taking pictures. Right, it's so arbitrary. I mean, for one, you could hide a camera as anything. They yeah. have cameras that are pens and glasses and uh, sunglasses and all kinds of different things out there. So you're not stopping that. You're just has. I mean, it's just a security guard that gets a bug up their butt, really, um, because you'll you'll find situations where one person takes a picture one day and then a week later they're bothering somebody about taking pictures and then, you know, a week later it's no problem again. Yeah. It's absolutely arbitrary yeah. and it, it, I mean, it hassles the crap. It's not like these things just happen for an, uh, an hour or afternoon. It'll ha- hassle these people for months as they're dealing with the legal ramifications. And so goes the airline industry, which, it's happen- which is happening before our eyes. The, the airline industry is in serious trouble and less people are flying. There's fewer flights. They're contracting. And that's not good for business. No. To be sure, says Shire, reasonable arguments can be made that some terrorist targets are more attractive than others. Airplanes, because a small bomb can result in the death of everyone on board. Monuments, because their national significance. National events, because of their television coverage. And transportation, because of the numbers of people who commute daily. There are literally millions of potential targets in any large country. There are five million commercial buildings alone in the United States and hundreds of potential terrorist tactics. It's impossible to defend every place against everything. Amen. We're going to continue here uh, with Shire's thoughts uh, and get yours as well at 800-259-9231. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Juicy Juice, creators of the Juicy Juice Brain Development and Juicy Juice Immunity Fruit Juice Beverages. For more information, visit us at JuicyJuice.com. When it comes to staying healthy, the digestive system is a great place to start. It's 70% of the immune system. Look for kid-friendly foods that are high in fiber, like popcorn and yogurt. Prebiotic fiber helps the good bacteria in the gut flourish, while simple sugars like high-fructose corn syrup only help the bad, leading to bloating and discomfort. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. This is Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Features including our Facebook profile. Go and become a fan at facebook.freetalklive.com. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. Critical thinking exercise. Explain the difference between government and organized crime. Be sure to include in your comparison the disadvantages that organized crime syndicates might encounter by not having access to a 12-year propaganda system designed to convince children that their activities are somehow not organized crime. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of public education and socially acceptable forms of organized crime. Visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. All right, so we're going to continue here uh, in a moment with Bruce Shire. He is a security technology expert commenting on the question of, is aviation security mostly for show? We'll get back to him, but let's go first to the underwear bomber. He is on the line uh, from Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hi, guys. Hey. (laughs) 
This is Gene. Okay, I wanted to continue my my uh, rant on the underwear bomber from last night as to why this is all just a big scam to get the uh, the uh, full body uh, clothing stripping machine in all of the airports. They want to take pictures of everybody's genitalia. Well, it's a very expensive machine, Gene. It is a very expensive machine. So uh, somebody has good connections with the government officials that are going to order all these, uh, that are going to purchase all So these. someone's going to cash in. Well, you know, if, if, <laughs> Somebody's going to cash in. If you've ever gone into an airport and you look at the machines they have now, there's some pretty big uh, logos, logos on there that look very familiar to you, of very connected yeah. companies. But what I want to say yeah. about those full-body scanners is I've, I've been reading about those lately, and, and I don't like what I'm reading. They use what's known as terahertz waves to scan the body and scan through the clothes, and it supposedly it, it may cause some health risks to your DNA. Yeah. But that's not, that's not critical. They don't care about that. No. They're not going to be concerned about your health. But anyway, wh- why I think this is a scam. Number one, well, I, I hit on a couple of points yesterday, but I didn't get through through all of them. And one of them is that this guy who videotaped this thing for the apparently the entire event, mm. uh, he's unknown. How do you have uh, a list of passengers on a plane and not know who did the videotaping? Not only that, but the FBI doesn't seem to be interested in the guy who videotaped this whole thing. There was also, I mean, some, there was also some word about a man who allegedly walked this guy right through security. Did you right. hear about that? There's another guy that they're not interested in. Now, these things, these are red flags that pop up in my mind and say, well, this is put on. This is a show. This is this is put there so that they can push this. Because the, peop- the public was not going to accept this body scanner. There was no way the public was going to oh, accept it. Oh, come on but, now. Of course they would. No, they wouldn't. What would they do, uh, Gene? Were... I asked you this last night. What would the public do if all of a sudden the government decided, the all right, everybody's going to get body scanned? They're going to continue to do exactly what they're doing now. They're going to stop flying, and yep. then the, the whole industry okay. is going to collapse. Well, I mean, that's going to – yes, I agree with you that some people will stop flying, but the fact is some people have to fly in order to do their business. Well, you and could also decline to go through the, the, the body scanner and just let them frisk you with the rubber gloves. Which is what I will be doing. But yeah. anyway, uh, another point was that the, if you've seen the pictures that they've released of this underwear bomb, I don't know if you've looked at them very yeah. carefully. <laughs> I've looked at it. It is ridiculous to think that that is the underwear bomb that started the fire on the plane. It's what brand was it, anyway? All. What, yeah, br- it's, it's, what brand of underwear was he wearing? Well, but it's barely singed at all, and yet they're saying, you know, this fire went up the wall of the plane and took out several rows <laughs> of seats, and they weren't sure if it was well, if it went down into it's a the high, It is a high-level explosive if, if it goes off on, um, properly. I mean, the idea was this would have been enough to blow out the side of the fuselage, right? And if it goes off improperly, it's, it's an incendiary device. Well, how come those underwear even exist? They should be nothing but a pile of ashes. Yeah. If you look at the pictures, there's 90% of that underwear is unsinged. It's not even burned. So I don't believe it for a second that that's a picture of the actual underwear bomb. Doesn't make sense. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, you know, I, I I don't think that you could get a a large amount of the people in the government to participate in a you know some kind of conspiracy. However, you are pointing out that uh, the government's going to benefit from this, and I think they will. So I. It's never going to take a large percentage of the people. Most of the people are lemmings who are following orders. And they're told to shut their mouth, they shut their mouth. They, don't, they may have some personal questions in their own mind, 
but they don't, they don't express them because they know they're going to lose their jobs. It doesn't take more than a few people to be in on something like this. Right, exactly, because a lot of the things, especially potential black ops, are very compartmentalized, so very few people are really involved in those, if it is indeed right. that. And they, they design the entire system so that the right hand never knows what the left hand is doing. That's what they want. They want ignorance within the ranks, Yeah, and that's what they got. So that's my spiel for tonight, and I, I just think that... Uh, Oh, one more point is why it's important to know that it's a scam. And that is, you've got to go all the way back to Sun Tzu, and he says, you need to know your enemy's tactics. Now, we have an enemy of liberty, and it's called this fictitious idea of government. I'm talking about all governments, not just U.S. government or Chinese government or any other government. Mm -hmm. This entire fictitious idea of government is an enemy of liberty, and you have to understand the mindset of the people who are promoting this fiction upon us, and this is how they act. So this is why it's important to know what's going on. Very good, Gene. Any other thoughts? Happy New Year. <laughs> Might as well. Happy Thanks New for the Year. call. Appreciate it. Right. 800-259-9231. is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So we're sharing an uh, opinion piece from Bruce Shire. He is a uh, technology and security expert writing over at CNN.com. And so far, I'd say he's been pretty spot on, pointing out essentially that it's basically theater, security theater, uh, what you're seeing at the airports. Uh, but we, you know, Also saying here that there are millions of potential targets in the country, five million commercial buildings alone in the United States, so hundreds of potential and hundreds of potential terrorist tactics. It's impossible to defend every place against everything. Indeed, security is both a feeling and a reality, says Shire. The propensity for security theater comes from the interplay between the public and its leaders. When people are scared, they need something done that will make them feel safe, even if it doesn't truly make them safer. Politicians naturally want to do something in response to crisis, even if that something doesn't make any sense. Often this something is directly related at the details of a recent event. We confiscate liquids, screen shoes, and ban box cutters on airplanes. Then tell people they can't use an airplane restroom in the last 90 minutes of an international flight. But it's not the target and tactics of the last attack that are important, but the next attack. These measures are only effective if we happen to guess what the next terrorists are planning. If we spend billions defending our rail systems and the terrorists bomb a shopping mall instead, then that money's been wasted. If, concentra- uh, if we concentrate airport security on screening shoes and confiscating liquids, and the terrorists hide explosives in their brassiers and use solids, we've wasted our money. Terrorists don't care what they blow up, and it shouldn't be our goal merely to force the terrorists to make a minor change in their tactics or targets. Our current response to terrorism is a form of magical thinking. It relies on the idea that we can somehow make ourselves safer by protecting against what the terrorists happened to do last time. Mm-hmm. 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Of course, the best way to keep safe from terror is to not go over into their countries and blow things up and kill people. That and steal course, stuff. Yeah, that would be the best way to deal with it. More coming up here at 800-259-9231. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com.
This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's New Year's Eve Eve tonight, and Free Talk Live will be on live New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, so we look forward to continuing to interact with you over the holiday. And hope you enjoy your New Year's and uh, start working on your uh, your New Year's resolutions. We'd love to have you share those with us, whether it's tonight or tomorrow night. Uh, always interesting to hear what people are planning on doing in the new year to make their lives better. <laughs> what res- resolution they plan on failing at, right? Well, now that's not, you don't want to plan to fail. No, you don't want to plan to fail. However, um, New Year's resolutions, uh, you know... Resolutions in general don't generally go too too well. Yeah, I'm still trying to get up early in the in the mornings. <laughs> For some though, not every. Some people fulfill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to continue here. Uh, what we've been discussing the issue of security theater, and it's not just Free Talk Live that has been positing this idea. Uh, Bruce Schneier, who is a uh, security and technology expert has been writing a story over at CNN.com, an opinion piece, about how it is that there's this phenomenon where the government people involve, what they essentially do is they respond to acts of terror by changing their security apparatus to make it look like they are, well, doing something about it. Right. So, I mean, airplanes get blown up by uh, uh, you know, anti-aircraft fire and uh, missiles. What are they doing to, to to stop that? Not a damn thing. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, really? You how stand much... outside an airport with a, a rocket launcher? If you're a reasonably fun, well-funded uh, uh, terrorist organization, which is what we're really scared of, right? A, 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 a actual group. I'm scared of the government, actually. Not, right. Not so much. That's terrorists. what in the United States. That's what they're concerned with is the idea of this terrorist organizations, Al Qaeda, as if Al Qaeda isn't a name that the CIA gave a bunch of different groups. I mean, they don't call themselves Al Qaeda, but whatever. It would be significantly easier to get a, some kind of laws rocket or something like that smuggled into the country have somebody take a boat from wherever they have the laws rocket to here and bring it in and right. shoot down some big old airplane instead of some guy who manages to to get put together some kind of impromptu bomb in his pants absolutely right so clearly they're not that serious about doing any kind of acts of terrorism otherwise those sorts of events would have been happening over the last decade I mean, where are all the terrorist attacks? If there are so many awful, evil terrorists out there looking to blow things up in the United States, where are all the explosions? I mean, I had always suggested that it wouldn't be a very hard thing to hijack a uh, fuel tanker truck and go run it into the side of a building somewhere. There's a gazillion ways, if you want to be a terrorist, how to fulfill a terrorist mission and, and, yeah. and to perpetrate an attack. So, like, I, th- I think that the article you're reading is brilliant in the fact that it shows that it's just futile and a waste of money to try to um, uh, defend against yesterday's tactic because, of course, now uh, a plane, uh, the way that the um, 9-11 attacks were allegedly perpetrated, people are aware of that. That's why when they see somebody acting strangely on a plane now, they're not going to let them do it like they they probably did in 9-11. Right. The passengers subdued this guy, as they they did with the shoe bomber. As they did with the shoe bomber. So they're not going to let people do that, and the pilots are more aware of it. The crew is more aware. So that's not a a really an open um, uh, attack anymore. It's not... There's no element of surprise for a potential terrorist to do that type of attack. If they're going to attack, it's going to be something else. And then we get to foreign policy. We get to really, what is this? Is this terrorism or is this revenge? He goes on to say, that, but there's a bit I'm skipping here where he talks about how uh, you know the police can do this and that. And that uh, we need to have the strength shown by Franklin Roosevelt and Prime Minister Winston Churchill during World War II. Blah, blah, blah. Our leaders uh, yeah, need yeah. to do this and our leaders need to do that. 
And clearly, this guy is not uh, necessarily liberty-oriented, but he's right about some his, things. Yeah, his, his analysis on the, the theory of security is, is really spot-on, though. Yeah. He says, by not overreacting and by not responding to movie plot threats and by not becoming defensive, we demonstrate the resilience of our society in our laws, culture, and freedoms. There's a difference between indomitability and arrogant bring-em-on rhetoric. There's a difference between accepting the inherent risk that comes with a free and open society and hyping the threats. We should treat terrorists like common criminals and give them all the benefits of true and open justice, not merely because it demonstrates our indomitability, but because it makes us all safer. You know, the reasons why they have the rules in place that are supposed to be followed, which they're clearly not being for those folks out in Guantanamo, but the mm-hmm. ideas of uh, you know, right to a speedy and public trial and, and all of the things... Come on, are... there's not a speedy trial happened in the United States ever, or at least not in the last decade. Well, at the very least, a public tell, trial. T- tell me where the speedy trial is. Habeas corpus, these things, uh, you know, being able to uh, confront your accuser all, and being uh, presumed innocent until proven guilty. All of these are concepts that were put into place not to protect criminals, but to protect you mm-hmm. from being accused of being a criminal when right. you didn't do it. That's yeah. why those protections are there. And when they start just overriding them like they're doing with the folks in Guantanamo Bay, like they did with uh, Jose Padilla, uh, then that puts us all in jeopardy. And and when Americans are cheering on what's going on in Guantanamo Bay, you've got a very, very scary situation on your hands. So oh, when yes. Americans are saying, oh, yeah, go ahead and throw away uh, habeas corpus, forget about all those rules for those people. They're bad, bad men. We already know it. We don't need to see a trial. We don't need to see any evidence. We don't need you to prove it. You've claimed it, and you're the government, so you must be right. Well, when they finally come after you with that particular system, mm. then what are you going to do? Right. The neocons in the media, when they start alleging that because these people aren't Americans, we, we, you can do that to them, or because they're terrorists. They're some, see, they're always try, in war, you always try to demonize the other party and make them subhuman so you can do whatever you want with them and people will approve of it. And it's the same tactic here, even though it's not an all-out war. Shire says, once a society starts circumventing its own laws, the risks to its future stability are much greater than terrorism. Despite fearful rhetoric to the contrary, terrorism is not a transcendent threat. A terrorist attack cannot possibly destroy a country's way of life. It's only our reaction to that attack that can do Mm. that kind of damage. Amen. The more we undermine our own laws, the more we convert our buildings into fortresses, the more we reduce the freedoms and liberties at the foundation of our societies, the more we're doing the terrorist job for them. Because if it's really true what they uh, claim about the terrorists... If it's true that they hate our freedoms, baloney. Yeah, that is baloney. It's called revenge, right? Like it's Gerald Salente always that's says. That's what it is. Yeah, but, right. There, there's probably some terrorists out there that do hate our freedom. They hate Britney Spears. They hate Coca-Cola. They hate uh, you know automobiles. Whatever it is that they hate, that's probably true. But what have we given those people? Is I think mm-hmm. the point you were trying to make. Well, right. right. If right. it's the, true they hate freedoms, then the government has taken away more freedom as right. a result. They won. Right. If that's yeah. if that's the issue, if if the terrorists hate freedom, then the terrorists won, and the government delivered your freedoms to them on a golden platter. And we should also and you you cheered, you stood by, you said, right. please take our freedoms away. We don't need to be able to get to plane. We don't need to. I remember I used to be able to arrive at the airport a half an hour before a flight. You yeah. do that now, you know. There's that freedom. There's that yep. your time. You handed it up on a silver platter, it's and not only did you hours. give up yours, you gave up mine. Everyone's. And it wasn't yours to give. It's billions of hours, I would think. I mean, oh. cumulatively, over time, all the people in all the airports, uh, every single travel. I mean, if everybody has, adds on, and everybody that travels in a year adds an extra two, three, four hours to their travel time to deal with the bureaucracy, 
then that's significant lost productivity. Significant. And have you noticed how the collectivist language always pops up in these arguments in in public and the media about they hate us? No, they don't hate us most of the time. What they hate is our government's foreign policy, our government's policies. And we are not our government. Our government's supposed to be representing us, but they don't always do that. Yeah, they love to claim that, well, you're the government. You you elected these people. No, no, not me. (laughs) I I don't want anything to do with any of this. Anyway, he says that today we can project indomitability by rolling back all the fear-based post-9-11 security measures. Our leaders oh, – I hate that phrase – have lost credibility. <laughs> they are not my leaders, and they're not, I hope they're not yours. Anyway, I mean, who would follow a politician anywhere besides no. everyone in the military? Well, who would follow a drunk uh, who's uh, basically a self-aggrandizing sociopath? Yeah. Uh, he says they've lost credibility, and getting it back requires a decrease in hyperbole. Ditch the invasive mass secure, uh, surveillance systems and new police state-like powers. Return airport security to pre-9-11 levels. Remove swagger from our foreign policies. That's basically him saying get out of uh, the other countries. Yep. Uh, show the world that our legal system is up to the challenge of terrorism. Stop telling people to report all suspicious activity. It does little but make us suspicious of each other, mm-hmm. increasing both fear and helplessness. You know, but I've... that's what the state wants. See, yep. that's what Bruce here doesn't get is that the state feeds on people's fear. The state grows based on people's fear and their uh, their feeling of helplessness. Yeah. And they're not going to do anything that he's suggesting because it will reduce their level of control. 800-259-9231. I know you had something to say, Mark. We'll get to it. Uh, you can also bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. Take control of the airwaves. Your phone call's coming up next. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. If you like this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we invite you to shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. You can order dozen, in dozens of categories. You can even buy used items if you want to. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get your shopping done. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided with the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we have with coercive governments. FreedomsPhoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to FreedomsPhoenix.com and sign up for the free daily dispatch today. That's FreedomsPhoenix.com, and it's where I get a good deal of my show prep. FreedomsPhoenix.com. All right, so we continue here. We'll take your phone calls about whatever you want, starting with Joe in California. Joe, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Ian, Mark, and Wayne, how the hell are you guys? Hey, super, Joe. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, um, some friends of mine, voluntarist friends here in San Diego, uh, a couple weeks ago did a little uh, protest, sort of mocked after your paying property taxes and $1 bills uh, <laughs> protest. Did you happen to see that? Um, I, not only did we happen to see it, we uh, mentioned it on this program, and I posted the video over at freekeen.com. Awesome. Well, I had uh, a couple friends ask me to call in, and I thought I'd tell you maybe about like my motivation for doing it. And um, what, what did you guys think? Was, do you think it came off well? 
I thought it was great. Uh, I thought that the audio was kind of difficult to understand in some parts because it was a very noisy tax office that you were recording in. But it was it was um, understandable. You just had to listen very carefully. Um, but it was for our listeners that don't know you. It was you, right? It was your property. Uh, the bill they'd sent you. It was my property tax. Yeah, I was the guy that was in the white shirt, and right. my friend Wes was there. He was kind of helping out with. Of the arguing with, yeah, West uh, from man, West man, from Complete yeah. Liberty, CompleteLiberty.com, dot com, which is by the way a great podcast. I highly recommend. Uh, but yeah, it was you guys, and it looked like a few other friends that had gone into the San Diego tax collector's office, and uh, you brought in your video cameras, and you, you basically uh, you kind of made a bit, a bit of a scene, which was absolutely wonderful. They called down the head bureaucrat, and he came in there and acted like a school teacher. Uh, basically, uh, there was one point at which he stops. You, you guys are talking to him about the fact that you know you didn't consent to any of this property taxes, and that you don't appreciate being threatened and all that. And he actually stops down at one point and raises his voice to address the entire room. I thought this was the most amazing part of the video. Uh, yeah, uh, listen up, school kids. The teacher has something to say. Right, that's what he did. And he actually puts his hand up and he says, okay, taxpayers, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. All right, taxpayers, how many of you think – what was the question that he asked them? I'm sure you can recall better uh, than I can. How many people think that it's your moral duty as a taxpayer to pay it on time so you don't get a, a fine? I think that's what he was trying to say. Yeah, and then I found out later by listening to the Complete Liberty uh, podcast that nobody actually raised their hands when he said that. <laughs> well, they probably no, confused. One, one, one woman started complaining about how they assessed her property too much, so it kind of backfired on them. Yeah. One person complained about something kind of unrelated. It reminded me well, a lot of a recent incident here in Keene where there was a conversation between myself and the city manager that was taking place in the, the lobby of this uh, city building. And the city manager was blathering on about how great their city employees are and blah, blah, blah. And some random guy is walking out of the city building and he just turns, stops, and just basically tells off the city manager and, and, and just comments very negatively about the city and, and how awful it is. So uh, it, was, it was one of those situations very similar. Uh, so what else can you tell us about your, your interaction there? What happened? What are some highlights for our listeners that haven't gone to, to see the video yet? Well, if, if you want to see it, um, if you YouTube, you just type in Hot for Liberty with no uh, spaces, then that's my friend uh, Trevor put it up on that. But I, I kind of wanted to talk about like what inspired me for it. Obviously, your, uh, sure. the protest you did uh, was definitely inspiration. And I thought after that, like, how as a voluntarist could I pay these this property tax again without at least some kind of fight or at least pointing out the gun in the room. I mean, that was really the most important thing, important thing for me. And uh, I wanted to kind of frame it a little bit different than your protest. With you, you seem to have specific examples of, you know, individuals, cops that arrested people who are nonviolent. Uh, I didn't really have that to go with, but I really wanted to frame it by coming in and, and kind of asking some almost naive questions like, is there agreement or is there a contract? And obviously it was going to, they're going to say no. Uh, we were originally just going to talk to the uh, you know clerk there, but we had the actual guy come out, which I thought was great. Right. Um, but we wanted we kind of wanted it to lead up to these three questions that we uh, came up with, and I actually got these three questions kind of inspired by uh, one of Wes's podcasts at Complete Liberty, and the questions are basically, um, do you see yourself as a moral person, which you said yes to, mm. and then the second one is, well, is do you see stealing as being immoral? And he actually said no to that. And the third question was supposed to be, how can someone who says they're moral, uh, you know, participate in, you know, collecting money in this way? But he said no to the second question, which was really odd. I think he, uh, I don't know, I, I, I think he just wasn't ready for these kind of questions. And mm -hmm. uh, I think he was just saying, 
you're trying to say that it was not stealing what he was doing, uh, trying to avoid any kind of responsibility like a typical bureaucrat would do. Yeah, these guys aren't used um, to dealing with uh, with people like you. I mean, they're used to people coming in and trying to get the, their house reassessed at a different value or something like that. That's probably typical. And people begging not to, you know, please have mercy on me. Give me two weeks exactly. to pay or whatever, yeah. you know, that, you know, people coming in and begging. Of course, that won't do any good. They just say, oh, sure, you can take a little longer. We'll just start enacting fines and penalties on you. And you'll have to pay exactly. them. Otherwise, we take your house away. They love that stuff. But, exactly. But I don't think people ever bring, like, the... the uh the moral argument to them that, uh, you know, I'm paying this against my will, I didn't agree to it, and that's theft. There's there's no difference. You, you're going to try to justify it somehow. Um, another thing on the morality issue, uh, I used to not really like that word. I, I kind of associated it with real religious stuff and kind mm-hmm. of just arbitrary rules, but um, a guy, Stefan Molyneux, have you talked about him on your show ever? Oh, yeah, we've had Steph on the show. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so um, Free Domain Radio... Uh, he has a lot of podcasts that really get down to um, good morality, just statements about it, like how it should be universal, it should be applicable to everyone, and stealing and taxes are, are pretty much the same if you really look at the moral uh, implications of it. Sure they are. Well, I mean, from our perspective, they are, but from the government's perspective, they tell themselves <laughs> a story about how it's not stealing when they do it. Exactly. Um, and so the last comment I kind of wanted to make was just um, – you know, I didn't really do this, obviously, for the people there. It was for to make the video and to get really these ideas out of yeah. um, maybe disobedience, but maybe just speaking up about things that are wrong. Like, you could even uh, – I mean, it's always better if you videotape it, but, I mean, imagine if, uh, you know, five people went into the tax collector's office and made that argument. And actually, in uh, April, we're, hopefully we're going to have two people do it. So oh, cool. Maybe that will really make their head spin. So but, you guys um, do it twice a year out there? Uh, yeah, they do. Um, I actually paid it all at one time, but uh, there's two other people, voluntarists, who are planned to do it in April, so hopefully that actually goes through. But, I mean, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, government immorality that people could speak up uh, against, like even just the airport checkpoints and just say you don't agree to the government interfering with a transaction between an airline and a person. And obviously the DMV, that's another just unnecessary. If you thing if you do the airline, um, you're you're likely you you ought to do it when you are not um, flying because otherwise it's going to really throw off your schedule and and you might miss your plane and that kind of thing. Um, so you need to be prepared to not fly that day if you're yeah, going to uh, yeah, do some no, kind of protest. Fair, and I'd also like to point out that if you uh, do the same thing that you did in the tax office, likely they'll be ready for you the next time. They'll either say, there's no cameras allowed in here. I mean, you need to be prepared for the curveballs that they're going to throw. They've, you, know, you caught them with their pants down, and they're, they're a very reactionary bunch. That's what mm-hmm. government does. It reacts. And it, that's what we're reading on the air right now is how the government, uh, you know, somebody comes on a plane with a, with a pair of underwear that blow up, and now they try to come up with rules that uh, you know prevent people that have uh, explosive underwear, um, and <laughs> so now they're gonna you know th- this guy was made a fool of uh, and you know opened himself up for a volley of uh, of uh, complaints from his his citizenry, his normally compliant serfs, and it was you who did that. So he's gonna he to you to him you are the biggest terrorist he dealt with in a year. So he's gonna be like I know how to deal with this. I'm gonna ban cameras from this place they or whatever actually, it is he does. They actually countered Joe uh, in in a way I didn't expect to see happen they demanded that he count the money for them so that was one of the significant differences uh, between what happened here in Keene when I went and paid with ones and when you paid uh, when I paid with ones the bureaucrats counted the uh, the ones in your case they demanded you count out the ones in front of them yeah 
But in my case, they had a problem with the cameras, and in your case, it didn't seem like they had a problem with your cameras. Yeah, uh, pretty much. But what was weird was, yeah, they forced me to count it, and I actually argued with them a little bit. I don't know if we kind of got that on a different camera, but it was even worse quality. But um, then, after I counted, it takes like half an hour, they counted again. Ah, It was a whole ordeal. And they had counting machines that they refused to use in the back. What a bunch of jerks. Hey, Joe, when are you coming to New Hampshire? Uh, well, you know, I'm signed up for uh, the Free State Project. Great. But, we look uh, forward to seeing okay. you soon, man. I, we're short on time. And thanks for the story tonight. And I hope people go and see your video. They can catch it over at freekeen.com. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. As we launch here into the second hour of the program, uh, you can bring up anything at 800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. In Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Start things out by going right to your phone calls. Taryn is on the line in Georgia Taryn, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, good uh, well, good evening, fellas. Yes. Um, What's on your mind I tonight? I wanted to call you about a story I picked up here in Savannah that seems to be taking off, but it's kind of right up your alley. Um, for you guys that hadn't seen it, basically, I did a story about um, an undercover biscuit sting in Savannah. These people um, decided they wanted to run a kitchen uh, without getting a business license out of their home. Uh-oh, so they, people could die. That's that's what everybody's saying. So, <laughs> it's like, dangerous. It's so uh, stupid. So people been, uh, it's a hell of an accomplishment because they've been going over a year. I think their year anniversary. It had great success. And then what happened was someone had ordered uh, some mac and cheese they didn't like. And this lady actually worked for another restaurant. They got in an argument about you know refunding it. They offered to refund it, but this lady was like unreasonable about it or something. There was a bunch of drama around it. Mm-hmm. So she got mad, and of course she knew a police officer, and she set up a sting. Oh, so no. like she got the cops. So they call out this poor delivery guy comes out to a fake place with biscuits and gravy, and there's five cops waiting for him, and they take him into the to the uh, the station for wow you know, illegally. I guess uh, uh, biscuits are illegal now. I don't. Yeah, what was the charge? Do you know? Well, what happened was the guy refused to talk to the cop. Oh, good for and, him. Um, and he, the cops forgot to search him for a phone. So when they walked out of the room, he called his attorney. 
attorney called the cops and basically scared him off and was like, what the heck are you doing? And the cops let him go without charging him. Uh, but it still wasted two hours of his time and, yeah. you know, and scared the heck out of him. And, and what uh, if they, you know, what if they would have confiscated his phone, which they would have if they would have thought of doing it, mm-hmm. um, then it would have been an entirely different scenario. Yeah, you got it. He got you know, in touch with an attorney fast enough that, that made it kind of go away. And they released him. But, um, so I did a story covering this, basically shaming the cops for five cops. I mean, I've had, I think there's been five robberies in the last 10 days in my neighborhood. Some guy got mugged in the middle of the day walking his dog. Jeez. And, and you know, we're worried about biscuits. Really? <laughs> the interrogation must have been hilarious. Do they do they know where the the kitchen is? Has the kitchen been targeted and shut down, well, or is they're, that a... they're worried about it being targeted? But no, they don't. I don't think they actually know where it is because they're pretty they're pretty good about keeping it quiet. You will tell but... us where the biscuits are being made. I love how you've got black market uh, food providers there. Is, is Savannah is where this is? It's Savannah. But what's cool about this is I posted this story and it like almost immediately went viral, and. Um, so if you want to see it, lclreport.com, you can yeah. see the interview with the guy that got arrested. And I'm glad it went viral because uh, it's got a free Keen promo in front of it, which is excellent. It, yeah. It's also on Freedom's well, Phoenix, too, today. Oh, that's one of the reasons why. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I think it got picked up by Prison Planet as well. Oh, so great. It, it's basically, um, the deal was, is you know, YouTube crashes when it says there's only like 300 views, but last time that happened, I had something go viral. The next day, it was like 50,000. So Ooh, wow. the county crashes, it, it's, it's a good sign. But the point is, is now all these people are starting to email them and support them. And this lady has found out about Porkfest and the Free State Project and, uh, and has already decided she's going to come up and work Porkfest and deliver biscuits to the activists because they've been so cool to her. So wait, the, the woman, uh, hold on, the, the lady is the delivery person or the lady is... I'm sorry. It's a family that runs the business, but the lady's kind of in charge. I and see. And the, the, the delivery guy was her son. Got it. Got it. And so what happened was um, they were trying to question him about, you know, where do you, where's this place at? Who's running it? And he wouldn't answer any questions. And, where are they uh, making the biscuits? Who's, Let making, us know. who's making the gravy? <laughs> Tell me where the biscuits are. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. Um, wow. The, the sad thing is now that it's going to get so much attention, I'm, I'm almost, it's kind of a double-edged sword. There's a bunch of support, but now, you know, it's kind of like calling the cops out. That, that, oh, you, know, you can better they believe they are after the, these people at, at this point. They've been made to look like fools. This would make a they great cartoon for Dale. Oh, it would be a, yeah, it'd be a good cartoon. I agree with that. <laughs> Well, the point is, is, I think it's cool that the activist community reached out and invited them up to Porkfest. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, so, so, so you know. say these folks have been, for a year now, they've been uh, making food for people in their kitchen without business permits and all that, selling it and providing delivery services? Correct, and openly fantastic. doing it. Like, saying they don't have a license. and prom- I mean, just really gutsy. And so I got on board and promoted them, and I started ordering their food and telling people about them, and... I mean, I'm just really impressed that they have the courage to stand up against all these regulations. Well, absolutely. If you want to put them in touch with me, uh, maybe send me an email with their contact info if you've got it. Uh, I'd love to have them on the show because, you know, I like to f- to focus on people that are willing sure. to do business without begging permission from their masters in the state before they actually uh, start their business up. So I think that's yeah, fantastic. The only one 
I'd ever heard of was the guy in West Virginia, the, the Paco guy. Uh, yeah, Kerry Paco Ellison from the Blackhawk Saloon, who refuses to enforce the state smoke or the uh, the county smoking ban in his uh, in his bar. Heroic guy. I love the illegal yeah. puppet show up here in New Hampshire. That yeah, I mean, too. that's cute, but it's nowhere near as uh, as ballsy as uh, running an illegal kitchen. I think that's fantastic. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you're you're messing with all sorts of food regulations, and, you know, she and they're openly just saying they're not going to do it. Well, they they're poisoning care. all these people, aren't they? <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's and gosh, I mean, please go on my YouTube channel and, and comment, because people are just being ridiculous. They're just, you oh, know, geez. there's so many... Johnny Rule followers that, oh, you know, you have to have the FDA because, you know, everybody would purposely poison all their own customers. (laughs) 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 We have a nation of of evil murderers that would kill their own customers. Yeah, if it wasn't for that uh, that permission slip from the state, they would just be uh, wreaking havoc. As if... As 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 if um, somehow the 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 FDA and and these uh, local organizations that that test restaurants really keep murderers from poisoning people. I mean, it's not like the business doesn't. Hi- they go through how many cooks between uh, you know, between inspections. Yeah. I, I, if 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 somebody really wanted to do that, they just get over there and do it. And my big argument was. You know, how many times have you been to a church thing where everybody brought food? Or how many times have you Absolutely. been to your friend's house? Mm-hmm. And uh, would you have all them arrested because they didn't get a permit from the health department? That's right. And, and how come you're not worried about getting poisoned by them? What about your girlfriend? I mean, she's more likely, or your boyfriend. I mean, your, your significant other is more likely to actually poison you than some chef at a restaurant. Or a hospital. You know, a lot of people, most people get sick in a hospital. Secondary infections are a oh, huge yeah. problem. And they're, and they're washed down every day. And I, that's what I don't get is people have no fear about eating stuff that they know the people. But and, and you know it should be my choice if if I want to know that this place does not have a license and I say okay I'm going to accept that risk and eat there anyway. That's my own damn choice. You know who's the government and the local politicians that they get to decide where I can eat. Absolutely right, Taryn. Great, uh, great call and great story tonight. People can go to lclreport.com to see the video version of it. And you've actually got an interview with the guy, right? It's great. He's funny. All right, cool. LCLReport.com. Thanks, Taryn, for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you, and I completely agree. Who the hell are they to say where you can and can't uh, choose to eat? Well, who they are is a criminal gang that is working to protect their buddies who have uh, essentially paid them protection fees. It's, it's a big protection racket. That woman that snitched out on these folks, she is connected with a restaurant that has gone through and jumped through all the government's arbitrary hoops. And so she's upset that, well, well, if I've been abused, then everybody should be abused as much, at least as much as I've been abused. So I'm going to go and tell on them. <laughs> it's no fair. Yeah, it's, it's very elementary school. I'm going to tell on you. You're you're making food without government's permission right. slip. So, so people that are concerned with, um, you know, what what would what would happen if we got rid of the government's, the FDA or or you know these local organizations uh, that you know state organizations. Yeah, the FDA is not inspecting. No, they're they're not. But I mean, he he mentioned the FDA. Yeah, so the local health department right, does. But what whatever the you know what whatever organization does this. I mean, you know, in in that in the absence of that, there would be uh, there would be organizations that would pop up that would uh, certify people like Zagats. Um, they already certify restaurants. Right. And they could, be, you know, ex- expand their purview. Also, if somebody did poison somebody in a negligent fashion, that would be a court case. It would be a tort case. I mean, they, 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 they harmed somebody. There's so, more coming up here at 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airways. We can dig in a little further on this issue in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. 
HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features for free, so enjoy those, including our Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo and show they are indeed listeners of the show. Also, we accept validated videos, by the way. You can get all the details on what that means at shrine.freetalklive.com. And the Shrine is brought to you by Manchester Brewing. Manchester Brewing, makers of John Thomas Red, would like to give you some advice on handling your John Thomas this holiday season. Yeehaw! <laughs> what? What? Um, We're first, to handle some, man. Never, ha- never boil or freeze your John Thomas. No. Second, Drink it. Please. Keep your John Thomas away from pets, children, and radio-controlled devices. Because they'll like it, too. Some animals like to drink beer. Yes, dogs. <laughs> That's right. it, it, It's the truth. Big dogs drink first. You can find out more at uh, ManchesterBrewing.com. All right, so uh, we're going to continue with your calls here in a moment. We just got off the phone uh, from with Taryn from the LCL Report at LCLReport.com, and he was telling us about a situation that's developed down in Savannah, Georgia, where he lives. <laughs> That is involving, I guess, what is apparently an underground, it's not a restaurant because you don't get to eat there, but an underground kitchen. Uh, They will make food for people and they will deliver it to you. And apparently they've been in business now for a year. One of the competitors got upset about this finally and alerted the police. The police did an under, uh, essentially an undercover sting operation, busted their delivery man, ended up turning him loose uh, after he called a lawyer in and scared scared the cops a bit. But it's just such a... It's just such a pathetic, sad story on the part of the police. I mean, th- this is what they're spending their time on. When, as Taryn pointed out, they could be investigating uh, various different murders and, uh, and arsons and rapes and things like that. They're spending, they had five cops bust this guy for delivering some macaroni and cheese or something like that. Yeah, it is absolutely ludicrous. It's it, the absurdity it makes, of this system. It makes system. their job so silly. I mean, did these guys get into police work so that they could, you know, they could be the muscle men for the, uh, the restaurant association? Yeah. The biscuit police. I mean, God, That's what they are. Silly. That's what they are. How it's silly outrageous. and sad. And, and you guys made a great point about, well, uh, if you're eating over at your friend's house, do they need to have a permit? And the fact is, and I think it was Julia that told me this, she works in the restaurant industry. A lot of people will, um, sometimes when they'll get food poisoning, they'll feel really upset, you know, the belly will be upset and they'll believe they've been, uh, you know, they've had bad food of some sort. They always blame the restaurant. Right. When it's most likely them it's most likely their mistake in their own kitchen that screwed it up. When, you know, they forgot to wash their hands after right. they handled the chicken or they touched the towel and the chicken got on it or whatever, you know, one of those little mistakes that they ended up poisoning themselves. But it's always the restaurant's fault. It's never their fault. So the restaurants take the fall for that kind of stuff. But you're far more uh, at risk from your own work, your own handiwork in your own kitchen than you are some uh, somebody else. And it's, and it's just like with Karen was saying, if you want to take the risk of ordering food from somebody that's completely unlicensed and has no kind of uh, kitchen checks or no zagats to come and inspect their business, 
then you should be free to make that decision. And besides that, even if somebody is is, is being inspected, they're not being inspected all the time. And so you never know what they're going to do back in that kitchen. You never know if right. that... If it's actually malicious, you're, you, there's nothing you can do. Right. I mean, right. There's, there's just nothing that can be done about Drop somebody a, who's being malicious um, as far as... Drop a steak on the floor or something whatever like it is that they're doing. Yeah. The small mom and pop type businesses tend not to have that problem. The, the businesses that have it usually are the ones with absentee owners. You know, uh, the more corporate type uh, restaurants are more likely to have cleanliness problems from my, my experience. But... Uh, it's it completely absurd because why would somebody want to poison their own customers? And, you know, even if you went to a restaurant, let's say you didn't have good hygiene, you didn't wash your hands before eating, you could have touched something on the way in or down the street that, yeah. that made you sick. Well, I, I I don't know that I necessarily agree with what you're saying on the mom-and-pop restaurants because the mom-and-pop restaurants often will be the ones that will uh, serve the more risky-type food. If you want your hamburger done medium, you're not going to get it if you go to one of the chain um, hamburger places. But if you want it done medium or even medium, medium rare, uh, maybe you can get that at one of the mom and pop places. Also, they're more likely to be the ones selling the soft cheeses. They're the ones more likely to sell oysters, um, you know, uh, raw oysters, things. The, 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 the foods that are more likely to give you food poisoning, uh, sushi. I mean, there aren't that many sushi chain restaurants. They're almost all mom and pop places. Well, I mean, what about uh, Benihana? Um, yeah, in that case. But, I mean, what about, um, uh, I've gone to Outback and gotten medium rare steaks. A steak yeah, is different than order, yeah. than hamburger. Um, they they just won't cook hamburgers for whatever huh. reason. And I can't tell you why. Um, but you can you likely can get a sure you can get a rare. You can't. Nobody would put up with a, a steak restaurant that wouldn't serve you a rare steak. Right. I mean that's absolutely that's just beyond the pale. Let's go to the phones. Kelly's on the line in uh, Louisiana. Kelly, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Oh yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey Kelly, what's on your mind? Uh, I'm sorry if the connection is bad. Yeah, you sound fine. Go ahead. Um, well, I used to own a daycare, and you're talking about the licensing, you know, I had to have a license to prepare my food, which was, you know, corn dogs, soda tops, something like that, macaroni and cheese, mm-hmm. plus I had to have a license to serve my food. I had oh, two different licenses, and I'm talking like to preschoolers. Yeah. And I just think, I mean, I totally agree with all the licensing thing. I think it's a violation of our right to not have, to be able to eat what we want to eat. And, I mean, it's wrong. Yeah, you just want to help people. You just want to feed people. You want to give them the products. You want to give for. some preschoolers some uh, warmed up tater tots from the the toaster oven. As those okay. filling out some form and sending two hundred dollars to the local government is somehow going to make your food safer, right? I know, right? And I had to have license for both. Of, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I got uh, um, I got the license to prepare the food, which I mean, you know, I'm just a everyday cook. I'm not some kind of you know, big time chef. But I got in trouble and got a violation because I didn't have the license to actually put it on the plate and give it to the kids. And you know good and well that's ridiculous. Yeah, it absolutely I mean, I, is. I'm from I'm from North Louisiana, so you know we we don't, we're not from Mary Landry. She's from the South. <laughs> wow. I don't really want to think that. I still love New Orleans Saints though. Hey, are you listening on uh, KBYO up in Monroe area? Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. But Great. Fox News Radio. Fantastic. Anything else you want to share with us tonight, Kelly? 
Oh, no, I just love you guys. I appreciate you. Thank, Thank you. you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. And that's exactly, she is just spot on. I mean, it's mm. it's nothing more than money extraction. That's all it is, this licensing. Uh, this it's, it's a protection racket, number one, to keep people who can't afford to uh, to start their own business or, or, or who otherwise would be able to afford to start their own business in the absence of all the rules and regulations, but to essentially create as many rules and re- regulations for them to uh, – and hoops to jump through and costs for them to pay to hopefully dissuade them. And, and when I say hopefully, from the perspective of the people that are already in business, the existing restaurateurs or, in her case, daycare providers, uh, these folks don't want her getting into business. And so they try to set the bar as high as they can possibly set that bar. That and government is organized crime, and organized crime needs to extort money from people, and so they use the licensing mechanism in order to do that extortion. Yeah, make sure you renew every single year because, you know, that makes people safer. Right, that, that'll make you safer. So much for free enterprise, huh? Yeah. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. There's no free enterprise in this country. It's just an illusion unless you're willing to uh, flaunt the law like that, uh, that illegal kitchen down in Savannah, which I think is fantastic. We need more of that stuff. More coming up. Bring up anything. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves simply by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where we give you all the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us, including our chat room. You can go and get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners free, of course, at uh, chat.freetalklive.com. It's open all the time. Best time to find people, of course, is live during the show at chat.freetalklive.com. The Totasack. Go to totasack.com to learn more about this wonderful little handle made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States. These things are strong. They can carry more than you can, a lot more. In fact, they help me bring the grocery bags back in from the car all in one trip. So they're a time saver as well. T-O-T-A-S-A-K dot com. In fact, Mark, I think we've got a giveaway to uh, to do on the Totasack here. We're not going to do it right now, but coming up here sometime tonight, you'll have the chance to win yourself a two-pack of the Totasack. T-O-T-A-S-A-K. Yep. Not only are they uh, great little handles that you can carry all kinds of things with, but they are uh, very, a very uh, cheap uh, set of brass knuckles. It sure beats Bombasack. <laughs> we will continue taking your calls here. Let's go to John calling from New Hampshire on the amp line. Hello, John. Uh, yeah, I was listening to the podcast last night, and you talked about uh, you know the restitutive uh, victim restitution punishment. How would that work in America when there are so many laws that have no victims to give restitution to? Well, this is a good point. I think it would work in the cases where there are uh, cases with victims, but you're right. The the burden on the court system would be significantly lessened in the absence of uh, malum prohibitum crimes uh, like possession of drugs uh, or possession, uh, open container and prostitution. prostitution and stuff like that. Or parking tickets, since they're going after for me now and here in Keene. He's a parking criminal. Yep. Oh, and uh, on the uh, whole new TSA regulations, I haven't really seen this covered much in the uh, lamestream media, as one of your commercials calls it. Um, basically, the prohibition on you know, doing anything within the last hour of flight is a tacit admission their screening process can never work. 
They're actually just saying, look, we know we can't screen out bad people from bringing bad things onto the plane. Right, so, so don't get out of your seat. You're that cruel. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't move your hands. And, and so if you follow this, then the only logical thing they should be doing is making you strip naked, issuing you clothing to wear while on the flight. Yeah, handcuffs. keeping you away from all your carry-ons. Right. They could... I think you could have a, a standard, maybe like orange jumpsuit or something with numbers on the back so they could identify That's you. a great idea. Like a prison plane. Shock collars, too. Don't give me any ideas. Wait, now, Mark, wasn't that a serious proposal from somebody? Yeah, somebody, you know, somebody I've uh, been talking to uh, you know, made the proposal that everybody should have these uh, powerful shock collars that would actually incapacitate them if they uh, did something wrong. Thanks, John, for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they actually took it that far. And... Of course, it would hurt the the airline business even even more. But the, as we pointed out earlier this week, the state doesn't care if the airlines go out of business. They don't care. They're still going to fund the TSA at the full levels that they're funding it, whether the airlines have. Yeah, what you know, would be so ha- so terrible for the federal United States federal government if the airlines went out of business? It would mean There's, fewer people to screen. <laughs> they have their own planes anyway, and all the congressmen right. have their own private planes. Well, not all of them do. Well, well, they have congressional planes they can take. Yeah, it's not some, certainly the feds will uh, will pay for their tickets, right? Sure. So yeah, why not just uh, why not install bars on the back of every seat in the plane and just cuff everybody to the back of you know just kind of hold you have to hold your hands out the entire flight, but you can just cuff cuff everyone to uh, to the backs of the they seat ju- in front of them. They, you, it would be too inconvenient to use uh, the, the hands. Why not just use neck chains? Right, to just chain them to the seat. That way, yeah. they just have to sit back the whole time. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fine. Um, and you, uh, <laughs> but I have to go potty. Well, well you the, could you could go potty then. That way, they would only be able to let one person up at a time to go and and use the restroom. You would you'd have total control over the just entire plane. Make it a potty right there. I mean, yeah. What if the seat, every seat was just a potty, and you just pull the curtain up and. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we shouldn't be giving them ideas, right? <laughs> All right. They uh, have an impossible task ahead of them. Impossible. Let's talk to Scott in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Scott. Happy New Year, Ian, Ma- Wayne, and Mark. How are you? Uh, just fine, Scott. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, what's on my mind is I'm very disturbed by a lot of things that I see. I'm able- There's a dangerous pattern. First of all, we're going to be attacked again. Let's not make any mistake about it. It's we? Who's we? And when. Who's we, but Scott? But not only that. The government, I see something nefarious in the background because the U.S. government will impose a draft when they go to war with Iran. We will, we're, we're edging to war with Iran now. The war, the war drums are beating, and they're going to have a draft. And you know what? No, when that day comes, I want all Americans to go to the street like in Vietnam. I wouldn't fight for this government, this rotten government, and I wouldn't fight for Israel and the Zionist Jews. And let me tell you, it's going to come to that, and then who, the government you fight will be for, overthrown Scott? when they try to impose a draft on this nation. All of these boys, gentlemen, are fighting for Goldman Sachs. They're fighting for greedy Wall Street bankers. A lot of them are Jewish. For greedy you just love throwing companies. that stuff in, don't you? You know, you, you your, your calls something. would be so much more credible without... If you uh, just said right, the well, Wall Street well, banker part. Yeah, let me back yeah. up a little bit. This government is so rotten, and it's so corrupt that I would send my child up to Canada before I'd have him get his legs blown off or come home in a casket for these horrible, horrible politicians that are scumbags. We, we've been talking on this show for a while. I'm just going to ignore your uh, your hateful comments towards uh, towards the Jews for tonight, Scott. And thanks for the call. Uh, appreciate hey, hearing from hey, you. Hey, Scott, have you tried to fly lately? I hope he's gone. I think he's gone. Uh, anyway, 
So, yeah, you know, we'll, I, I like it when Scott calls and says things that don't involve hating other people. Um, yeah. that, it just ruins it for What me. about all the Jewish people who are, who've been great freedom fighters? You know, why, I mean, why do you have to bring that in? I mean, not all Jewish people are like that. There, there's some. There's some, and there's some Italian people and some Irish people. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, yeah. That, 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 there's that, thugs all over the there's world. There's thugs all over the world of all colors, all nationalities, all religions. However, uh, what, he, what he was pointing out is that uh, there have been rumblings about a, a possibility of bringing back the draft, and it's been something that we've touched on on this program over the last several years because there have been consistently some very strange things happening out there. They repopulated the draft boards a few years back. Yeah. You know Why? What? I think that would bring down the whole military-industrial complex because I don't think people will go for that this time. You, you, during the Vietnam War, I was a kid. I remember how... how Did they ba- go for it then? It didn't well, really they, go very they, well then. They had massive protests yeah. over it and shootings in, at universities and stuff over this. Kent State. It, yeah, Kent State. And, and the only reason why I think they've gotten this far with it is because it's been voluntary and they've done a good job with PR and the media in promoting... Uh, kids at that age to get them all fired up to go over there and fight yeah they've been lying to them right and but uh, the a lot recruiters of people, are known for telling but lies they're, but they're, they're running out of people to, to recruit now they're having trouble now so they're, they're talking about a draft but that's because they can't seem to get enough kids to volunteer anymore if, for the reason that people are starting to be uh, aware of that yeah well kids are hopefully smartening up and realizing that hey people are dying over there maybe this uh, whole military thing isn't just fun and games like it's been made out to be and paying for college is not everything especially well, if you don't come back alive what good does it do you Right. Plus, unless you get an honorable discharge, in many cases, general discharges, you don't get the full uh, college payments. I was just reading some counter-recruiting information today from the Quakers. I was poking around uh, looking for some brochures because they're building a brand new military recruiting center here in our lovely Keene, New Hampshire, uh, from where we do this show. They're moving the uh, the existing... They do have a recruiting center here, but it's in a small, uh, smallish-looking office in a uh, little strip mall. And I guess they're going to move to their own building, and I'm not sure what the the square footage upgrade is, but it certainly seems like it'll be a little bit more prominent. It's going to be right on one of the main drags here uh, in in town, and the entire bottom floor, as I understand it, of this building will be dedicated to the military recruiters. You know what it kills me so. when they call it national defense? Because, you know, I've played sports for many years, and I know the difference between offense and defense. Yeah, yeah. And that ain't, nothing defensive, and that ain't defensive. It's the Department of Offense, absolutely. So one of the things I think that we're going to see happen as this new military recruiting center opens is uh, a new focus from some of the liberty activists around here. Because, honestly, they've been, they've been getting away pretty easy so far. There hasn't been any, or there have not been any... Uh, kind of demonstrations or counter-recruiting outreach going on outside of the existing facility. But this new one will give us a great opportunity to uh, to start doing that stuff. So uh, we're looking into that. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, inviting you to take control of the airwaves, toll-free at 800-259-9231. You can bring up absolutely anything. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features there. We give them all away to you, so enjoy those on us. And if you like this program, you can support Free Talk Live by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. 
And that is amp.freetalklive.com. You'll get perks. You get access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. And get all the details at amp.freetalklive.com. And the purpose of the AMP program is to advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live. We take that three bucks a month in from you and over 500 currently of our other listeners. We uh, cobble it all together and we reinvest it into the show. We use it to get on more radio stations across the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and hopefully expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So it uh, is beneficial in that you get perks and other people find out about liberty. So great deal. Plus, it's less than the cost of a cup of coffee or hamburger. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. The specialty coffees. Yeah, I mean, most people go to the, the Starbucks to get their coffees, right? I mean, Starbucks is very popular, and those things are at least three bucks. Mm, not all cups of coffee no? at Starbucks, Starbucks are three bucks, no. Okay, the ones that are flavorful, though. Yes, the, the frappuccinos and things yeah. like that. Anyway, it's cheap. So amp.freetalklive.com. As we continue here, uh, we will take your calls about anything. But since we're talking about the military a moment ago, I have an email to share here from Joel. He writes that it's a personal philosophy of self-defense and military service that he's going to share with us, his personal philosophy. I am not a pacifist, says Joel. There's nothing on this earth more important than human life. And so, it is incumbent upon us to defend our lives and the lives of our loved ones. I believe that if a man is coming to kill or abuse you, or those that you love, regardless of other encumbering factors like the response of the gang in blue, you are morally permitted to defend against this tyranny. Indeed, I am sympathetic to the idea that one is morally required to defend. I also believe in proportional response, which binds me to not answer a small hurt with a large one. However, like, you know, if the little girl is uh, kicking your daisies in your front yard, you don't have the right to shoot her. Uh, you may remove her from your front yard, but that's about it. Anyway, proportional response. He says, however, there are many acts which a man may do and many men do daily, which are entirely deserving of a deadly response. Throughout history, personal weapons were the mark of a free man. Those who were disarmed were one kind of slave. Those who held their weapons only at the writ of another were another kind of slave. To be human is to make choices. There are two kinds of choices that one may make, moral choices and amoral choices. Amoral choices have no moral component. While they may or may not be important, they don't deal in right or wrong. Examples would be what to wear, what to eat, who to befriend, etc. Moral choices, though, deal in subjects which are governed by our morality. Whether that morality comes from religion, from culture, or from personal choice, whether to kill or not is invariably included. He says there's no more important moral choice than to decide to kill a man. Thus, to bind yourself to an organization which may, will ye or nil ye, send you halfway around the world and order you to kill someone you don't know and who never harmed you at the behest of the moral reprobates who infest our halls of power is the greatest possible moral abdication. To join a modern military, and most militaries through history, is to abdicate moral choice in favor of the worst class in society, mm. politicians. And no, they're not your leaders. If to be human is to make choices and to join a military is to abdicate choice, then modern soldiers are something less than human. Auto, uh, automata with guns. And yet, there do exist situations where collective defense is required. It's here that the militia really shines. George Washington and other famous military men spoke poorly of the militia, calling them unpracticed and undisciplined. But it's precisely their weaknesses from the military viewpoint which make them the strength of a free society. It's, uh, he says, because militias are necessarily local, they can't be set afar or sent afar. 
They can be extremely successful in defending their own territory, but they're worthless when they're sent somewhere else. Thus, the they're temp- probably not as good um, in the situations where they, you know, the militia were used uh, with George Washington. Is those people believed that wars had to be fought in a in a specific fashion, which was, you know, you face you, lined, face. you lined your teams up and they they threw a volley of uh, of, of lead at each other, which mm-hmm. by and large didn't kill. Um, at that time frame, eighty five percent of uh, of casualties on the battlefield were inflicted by. The, uh, the, the what's that thing at the end of the stick? The, the bayonet. The bayonet, um, not by these lead balls flying. Wow, I didn't it. know that. Yeah, they were just they were just you know, they were they were to scatter and scare. Um, the bayonets what killed, and that's what the British soldiers were so good at using. But, um, you know the, the, what they used the brown I believe the brown best was the uh, the, the British soldiers' um, uh, weapon. I may be wrong on that. Um, some historian is listening and will correct me. I'm certain. Was that a gun? Yeah, it's a big, it's a big rifle, smoothbore rifle. However, um, what we, uh, what what many of the militia people had was a gun to use to take down game. It was actually accurate mm-hmm. instead of shooting a big, uh, you know, ball that went clank, 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 clank down the barrel and you know came out in some direction or another. This this rifle actually um, would would you know pick a man off at a certain distance. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, against that group, a militia would have been very good if they just hid in the woods and and shot, and which they did early on, and they had some well, that, you was- know, successes. They just did didn't have actual defeats of the military because that wasn't the point. The point was to to pick them off and wound them and uh, demoralize them. Well, that's guerrilla warfare, and that's what militias are very good at. And and that's what when military go uh, like, for example, when the U.S. went into Vietnam or when when the Soviet Union went into Afghanistan, they were eventually defeated by guerrilla uh, warriors that were fighting them. As the U.S. is currently being defeated right now. Exactly. It's true. That's what's happening in Afghanistan. The conventional I mean, organized. Uh, military is a disadvantage against guerrilla warfare. But you see, right, the, they're centrally controlled in the military versus decentralized bands of whoever decides to team up together to uh, to fight to, to defend their land. The United States military is the the most powerful military the world has ever seen, and and I do think that you can dump enough uh, military guys into a you know enough army you know enough soldiers into an area where a militia is it's going to be bound but then you have to keep them there you yep. uh, the, the citizenry has to you know pay to keep those soldiers there and then at some point or another they're going to get tired of the soldiers have to go someplace else and that's when the militia rises up yep. i mean it is possible to stifle uh you know uprising in a particular temporarily area. but the but the logistics are really really expensive over a period of time keeping everybody there keeping everyone fed getting the water there getting the ammunition there People, um, you know, talk about free market defense, and their biggest scenario is always the uh, the evil Bill Gates, as if. I'm not saying Bill Gates, is evil. <laughs> right? But the, but the very very rich man that would, uh, for whatever reason, try to take over, um, you know, by financing his own private military. But in fact, um, you know, what you really have to be concerned with is the nation next door that hasn't gone um, as as closely to freedom, and they they continue they want to take over by force, and they can uh, they can extract money right. They can extract money from their citizenry. That's the real danger um, that that would you know come up in that scenario. But it really wouldn't be that. I I think that uh, you know a diffuse group of folks and especially professional uh, defense fighters would do a fine job of defending against some sort of you know the Canadians rolling across the northern border or something like well, that. Well, would consider if you had Canada and you had the United States across the um you know that was that was the issue that if you were dealing with the United States military and you were Canada and you went completely um you know free market or whatever. Canada's then, got a lot more wealth than Afghanistan does. I mean, who knows what kind of weapons their fighters would end up having. 
it, it would certainly be interesting, but I'm just I'm just I'm just pointing out the the more realistic scenario. Joel has a few more thoughts. He says, "Thus, the temptation to tyranny crashes upon the shores of reality." The American founders knew this when they wrote into the Constitution that the army had to be reauthorized every two years, preferring that our main defense remain the militia. They should have known, though, that an authorization, that that authorization would soon, uh, soon become automatic. Self-defense is a right, a responsibility, and in the end, a personal bodily function which cannot be successfully delegated. So a nice little anti-military uh, email there from Joel. Thanks for, for sending that in. Uh, and as I said, uh, looking for uh, brochures, looking for counter-recruitment brochures today. I think I found a good one, but the, the Quakers aren't exactly truly liberty-oriented. They should be, you know, because they believe in peace. And therefore, if you believe in peace, you can't, you shouldn't possibly be supporting the uh, the state. Well, you're you're so. making uh, you're making wide sweeping statements. Many many Quakers are very freedom oriented. Yeah. Um, some of them some of them are not. Some of the you know there's certainly a, a very liberal branch in there. Uh, but when you talk to them about it, they they have a difficult they have a difficult time being slippery about uh, violence when you show them the gun gun in the, the, gun room, in the because, room. Yeah. They... Because Quakers are all about nonviolence. Hey, we'll come back here. Uh, you can uh, share whatever you want in hour number three. Right now, I want to give you. A Tota Sack, it's time for giveaway. T O T A S A K dot com is where to go to learn more about the Tota Sack. As we mentioned earlier this hour, it's a great little handle that'll help you bring back the groceries from the car. For me, it's one trip, and they're awesome. So I highly recommend you get yourself some. You can order a family pack at totasack.com. And right now, if you're caller number, oh, let's do caller three. Ding, 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 ding. At 603-435-1105. That's our special contest line, 603-435-1105. You will win yourself a two-pack of the Totasack. Of course, once you try these things out, you're going to want to go and buy a family pack so you can give them to your friends and family and uh, as gifts, uh, gifts and that sort of thing. They're wonderful. Uh, 603-435-1105. Get yourself a two-pack of the Tota Sack if you're caller three right now. 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. Hour three is coming up. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free as we launch here into the third hour of the program. The number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features there for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. The uh, activists here in the Keene, New Hampshire area, the Liberty folks, uh, as you may know if you've listened to the show before, Free Talk Live is full of people on our on our uh, on these sides of the mics that are Free State Project participants. We made the move to New Hampshire in order to get active for Liberty, and of course the Free State Project is still well underway, and we'd like you to go and learn more about it at freestateproject.org. Uh, it's a wonderful movement of thousands of liberty-oriented people all converging here to New Hampshire in order to get active and to stand together to achieve liberty in our lifetimes. It's a wonderful movement, freestateproject.org. But sometimes we like to tell you, or I like to tell you about some of the uh, the things that are happening here. And today, uh, Kurt Hoffman was scheduled to uh, to have a trial. Now, why was he scheduled to have a trial? Well, originally, the last time his trial was scheduled, he ended up going to jail for 180 days for a contempt of court charge because he uh, he you know he had he engaged in some antics that the judge uh, the robed man did not like very much. Luckily, Kurt was able to get out after about uh, four. Excuse, I think it was more like six weeks. 
after being in uh, in jail for six weeks, they put him on a two-year suspended sentence, and the trial was scheduled to be today. But it actually didn't happen because I guess they cut a deal with the prosecutors in the cases. And of course, we're talking about so-called uh, you know crimes that don't actually have victims. One of them was disorderly conduct. The other one, I think, was. Some kind of traffic thing. Yeah, some kind of traffic. Having the dog dog, dog was driving or something. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, there was no victims involved here. And so basically the state uh, came up with uh, some sort of a deal for Kurt and Auburn, and they uh, they went ahead and took it. And I don't don't remember what all the details were on that, but essentially they signed a waiver of a right to speedy trial. And in return for the waiver of right to speedy trial, the charges will be dismissed after six months. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Well, they're trying to just hold hold, hold a uh, sort of Damocles over his head. But they already had that. This is the thing. They already had that with the two-year suspended sentence. So, I mean, with, with the, when they suspend your sentence, for those that don't know, uh, that means that if you are to violate the, the state, if you were to commit a misdemeanor or felony or any major motor vehicle violation within the period of time in which your sentence is suspended, then you will have to serve the rest of your sentence. So for me, I was uh, my sentence was suspended for a year. I had a 90-day sentence suspended for a year. So if I had been arrested for something within that year after I got out of jail, because I went to jail for a, for a weekend basically, and then and then got out, and they suspended the rest of the sentence. And so, the reason for this was because you had uh, a, a piece of furniture that the renters had put a piece of furniture on the on the lawn. You that's decided, what got me into court. But I went to jail because specifically because of the contempt of courts. I may have ended up going to jail over the couch anyway. Uh, it's likely I would have gone in for a few days for that anyway, but uh, they, the real reason I went to jail was because I uh, spoke out of turn, basically, and didn't sit down fast enough and other silly nonsense. And because I didn't speak, because when I was being asked questions, uh, I, I didn't answer as the judge uh, wanted me to. Right. Now, that is not contempt of court as far as I'm concerned. And my understanding, you have the right contempt to Contempt is whatever so. he says it is. Right. That, that's right. Yeah. They, they can make crap up. Right. So, uh, so when they suspend your sentence, then if you violate the terms of the suspension, bam, you're right back in. So it's not like a probation. It's not quite like probation. It's a little bit different. So if Kurt's sentence was suspended for two years, then he's already got the sword of Damocles held over his head. So what was the point of them having him sign a waiver of speedy trial paper? Now, I'm going to speculate. I'm just asking you here just to maybe maybe you can come up with a better answer than me at 800-259-9231. But they asked him to sign a, a, a waiver of the right of speedy trial. And I'm thinking that maybe that's because they have so many damn trials scheduled. Do you think? I, I think that they messed up somehow, and uh, they, you know, the reason that they want the waiver is so that they can get out of whatever it is they messed up on, and they don't, you know, they don't know that right the, because they would have gone to trial today. You're right. Maybe they're maybe they didn't. Be, I, I know that Auburn Kurt's wife had spent a lot of time preparing a right to travel defense in the case of the uh, the traveling one, and they were ready to go today. And I guess they much would rather not have to go through sure. that than to to go through it. But who maybe wants the to state play was, Russian roulette? Right. Maybe the state was intimidated by that. You know, maybe they, maybe either they made a mistake or they were intimidated by, you know, they didn't know what was going to happen. They were worried they were going to take right to travel all the way to the Supreme Court or something like that. So they offered them this uh, get out of, uh, you know, get out of this pass by signing a waiver to a right to speedy trial. After six months, they're just going to dismiss the charges. It's very interesting. So strange things happen up here in New Hampshire when these activists get into courtrooms and, uh, and try different stuff. D- different attempts, uh, different t- tactics have been tried here, some with more success than others. 
But nonetheless, it's great being up here with the, all of these wonderful activists because people are standing behind these other folks. We had probably 15 people show up in support of Kurt and Auburn today in the middle of the day at 1.30 in the afternoon during a work day. Fifteen people showed up to support them, which was great. And uh, and there's more to come. There are trials, all all kinds of trials scheduled for uh, next year in January, February, March. Lots of different stuff. Mark, you're even going to go uh, to a trial. Yes, I would prefer right? not to have uh, the, the the cameras and the, the 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 clown suits that go with it. But we yeah. think the camera might have uh, been something that dissuaded them from going forth today. It might have been. I'm just, I've just got. I'm just. Simply going in a to uh, you know uh, you know not just roll over when they when they give you a fine and mine's a traffic ticket for five bucks uh, not a traffic, traffic ticket not, sorry not a traffic ticket a parking ticket for oh, five dollars. Oh, I've got a parking ticket too. In yes, fact, well, they're going after me. I'll tell you about that in a moment. Let's go on screen to the amp line. You're on Free Talk Live. Who's this? Um, this is Kason. Kason calling from Nevada. Yes. All right. What's on your mind, Kason? I've heard. Mark, say some things in the past about Jeep owners. Jeep owners? Jeep owners. Oh. <laughs> okay. I prefer Jeep owners and, uh, better. They, they weren't very nice things. They, they they kind of angered me when I heard them. Are you a, are you a Jeep, a Jeep owner? Yes. Uh, do you have uh do you have one of those uh the, the little things in the back that says you wouldn't understand it's a Jeep thing? No, no, I don't. Do you I've have? Um, it, I understand. It, it, do you have one of those uh, that says, "If you can read this, this Jeep is up to, upside down. Please turn it over." No, I don't have one. Of, I don't have any bumper stickers. Okay. So, so what, what is it that? Uh, what is it you want to share about uh, Jeep owners and, uh, and, and 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 their 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 love for their vehicles? Well, I, the Jeep is a great thing. I, I'm easily distracted, and if I see something that's off the road, and I need to be able to drive up a hill or something. I can uh, do it and not worry about getting it stuck or something. How many times has that happened to you? Lots. <laughs> really? You just drive like, off the road? Twice, twice, twice a week at least. What do you go and do? Can you give an example of something that will uh, encourage you to just leave the road and drive up a hill? Yeah, can you give us a story? Uh, a shiny object, um, <laughs> an animal, anything, and, and basically. You're, you're upset that I made fun of that? Propensity? Yes, Jeep, I, was, I was a little angry when I heard you say, mm-hmm. oh, the Jeep owners, their, their zeal for their vehicles makes me sick. I don't know about I don't think I said makes me sick. I, I just find it silly. You used to have an Eldorado you were per- fairly excited about, Mark. Yeah. Well, Isn't Eldorado, that silly? Eldorados have class. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so his automotive uh, fanaticism is more classy than yours is. They wear polyester saying. pants, too. <laughs> I think not. Well, yeah, I don't care what somebody drives or what what they're into. Some people are really into cars, and that's their thing, you know. So what? Yeah, but you know, the 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 thing with Jeep owners um, is that there's all kinds of stickers about. Uh, you know, you could you could put all kinds of things about Jeeps on your vehicles. They've got this camaraderie thing. I mean, you just don't see it that often with other vehicles. If I were to put that on my Dodge Shadow, why is it's that a bad? Dodge Shadow thing. Why is that, you why is wouldn't that? understand. So uh, that's you know, a little that's a little smarmy. I agree. It's but why silly. Is it, but why is it bad for them to have a community of Jeep owners? Why it's is that it's bad? not good or bad. I just you know, I, it, communities are defined by who they excluded. Exclude. I am excluded. Hey, and I'm sitting out here saying, hey, your Jeep not so freaking great. This is so silly. Kason, any am, response to that? I, I think he's just jealous that there's not a Dodge Shadow Club. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'd be joining that. 
<laughs> Thanks, Kason, for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I wonder if there's no, some kind of baptismal rite for the Jeep cult. I don't know. You can bring up whatever you want. Yeah, comment on the Jeep thing if you want. Or anything else. It drives through a puddle. If you make the call, <laughs> 800-259-9231, you can take control of the airwaves. And that's why we call it Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wade. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features there for free, so enjoy those on us. And those features, by the way, do include our archives, so if you've missed a moment, you can just click and download. They're yours free, freetalklive.com. Get your message to thousands of people a month for fractions of a penny apiece. Do it from the back of your car with LibertyStickers.com. They have hundreds and hundreds of different Liberty sayings. As a matter of fact, I've got one on the uh, back of the Dodge Shadow we were just two. referring to. Two, two on the back of the Dodge Shadow, and um, it's got a picture of Barack Obama on it. It says, uh, come off it, man. All presidents are murdering sick evil men or something like that. Doesn't the other one have his face and then the word war? Yeah. yeah. I like that I've one. I've got some pretty uh, <laughs> pretty anti-war slogans and I guess anti-Obama uh, slogans on the back of the car. And you but I get... like them because they're, they're clearly not necessarily conservative. They're, 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 right. they... They've got to confuse the crap out of the people that see them. Yeah, they attack Obama, but not from the typical anti-Obama conservative camp. Yeah, yeah they, they actually attack him from the left, which is actually interesting yeah, right. and it, effective. It's got to be very confusing for them. So anyway, you can check out those and many, ma- hundreds more, hundreds and hundreds of more um, at uh, LibertyStickers.com. They're uh, good folks over there and believe in freedom. LibertyStickers.com. All right. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Wayne, you're going to share something with us that has to do with uh, elementary. Is it an elementary school person or middle yeah, school? from the Buffalo News. New York school suspends girl 10 years old for peppermint oil. Oh, boy. A 10-year-old girl in New York has been suspended for bringing peppermint oil to her middle school and distributing it to other students. The Comac School District said in a statement on its website that the oil is an unregulated over-the-counter drug. Good God! The the, the girl's mother, Corrine Morton Granier said on thir- last Thursday that the implication that her daughter Sarah was bringing an illicit substance to school was, quote, infuriating, but mm. I can't say I blame her. Morton Grenier asked school officials to apologize and to revoke her <laughs> daughter's suspension. How'd that work out? <laughs> Com- <laughs> Comac Superintendent James Feltman said Sarah's actions violated the school district's code of conduct when she brought the oil to school on Monday. So peppermint oil, let's, let's just analyze what this guy says. Um, maybe maybe it did. Peppermint oil is a drug? Uh, it's made from peppermint leaves. Do you get they, it from a drugstore? No. No? No, you get it from like a health, so it's food. Health yeah, food store? You get it at a drugstore, right? I mean, you, well, I remember you can get lots of things at drugstores, but it's cinnamon drug? oil. Yeah, from, you, you can get peppermint tea at any store, too. I mean, it's just a peppermint leaf. Is it a, is it a drug in that you have to have a prescription? No, it's over the counter. I mean, it's... Well, but they, it's a, they throw kids in jail for aspirin, too, or they, throw, right. uh, they, they toss kids out of school for aspirin, too. I'm just, I'm trying to discern, is, is peppermint oil a drug, or is it a food? It seems like a food to me. It's well, an extract of food. Yeah, it's an extract. Yeah. So, and it, and it but a lot of drugs are extracts. High. Yeah, tr- sure, but peppermint doesn't make you high. That I know. I've, no. I've, I've taken peppermint oil. But it's zero tolerance, high. Wayne. We can't just have kids bringing drugs into school all willy-nilly. 
Well, you know what the superintendent said? He said the label in the bottle said that it should be kept out of the reach of children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> the catch-all warning on the, so on the label of almost the everything. If the child would have brought a uh, home cleanser to school, she would have been uh, violating the rule because the home cleansers often say that. Well, they do, and I think they do that to cover themselves because kids can find all different ways to sure. hurt themselves or o- overdose or drink something. So, But peppermint oil, hmm, I wonder how many kids have ever gotten high on peppermint oil or been intoxicated. Not bloody like. I remember when I was a kid, um, we, cinnamon oil was a big thing. You would uh, cinnamon toothpicks. Toothpicks, oh and, yeah, I love those things. What did you do and, with them, chew on them? Yeah, you put them in your mouth, and they're very tasty. I remember when you I tried to They make would make those. them super, super strong in my yeah. school to the point that they'd be like burning your they mouth off. They would burn off. your lips. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened when I tried to make my own. I'd put them in my mouth, and I'd, I'd got like a rash or something like that from it. <laughs> Skin reacts to it. Yeah, so so what do you think about this, guys? Why would you... Why oh, wait, would what happened it? to the girl? I'm sorry. She, well, they she tried was to get suspended. her... She was, right. Yeah, she was suspended. And, and the, school, the school is not apologizing like mom And they're like not apologizing. Wanted. They're standing... They're digging in their heels and saying that she violated the school code of conduct for bringing peppermint oil to school. Um, and I don't know. Again, this is something where they're, they're trying to apply one little <laughs> stupid rule to everything... I'm sorry, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article on peppermint and looking at the oil portion, and it says here that peppermint relaxes the gastroesophageal sphincter, thus promoting belching. Kids will love this stuff. (laughs) Oh, boy, they can say their names and everything. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry, Wayne, go ahead. (laughs) Anyway, that's pretty much it on the story. Um, But, you know, again, what if some kid brought, um, I don't know, uh, tea to school? Right, well, pepper. Yeah, pepper. Salt's a uh, chemical, too, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, to, to me, I don't know. Uh, it, it seems like they're going, they're suspending this little girl for this. Uh, it's one thing to take it away and say you can get this yeah. at the end of the day and take it back home. Or, right. or your mom can come and get this. That's, that's one thing. But it's another thing entirely to suspend this little girl. That's absolutely craziness. Well, it sounds it to me. This isn't surprising. Are you not surprised by this, right? I mean, this is, I am surprised by this. Really? I mean, this is well, just another zero tolerance thing. It's it, it's a new level of stupidity. And when the uh, principal probably didn't as, didn't make this decision anyway, is confronted by a mistake made by his staff. He does what classic uh, you know bureaucrat thing is to do is begin to um, CYA. Um, so he's. Uh, He's deciding. Well, no, nothing wrong was done here. This, this, this suspension will have to stand. It's absolutely insane. Well, well he, they call it an unregulated, over-the-counter drug. Uh, again, but this is this is basically. If you've ever grown peppermint, you know that you can you can extract the oil from it. You can actually put peppermint leaves in, in some hot water and make tea with it. Peppermint's very good for you, actually. It's calming. So I'm having a spearmint uh, uh, cough drop right now. So yes, these things are good for you. But is, isn't isn't something like that that would calm somebody just slightly good for school? I don't know. According to Wikipedia, in 2007, Italian investigators reported that 75% of the patients in their study who took peppermint oil capsules for four weeks had a major reduction in irritable bowel, bowel syndrome. So it is definitely calming. There you go. We're going to be calming the bowels. The bowels. Yeah. But but th- there are other uses for it too. You can you can use it to keep bugs away from your house or rodents mm-hmm. as yep. well. Uh, there's a few good websites on that. But again, this is the kind of stuff that happens when bureaucrats get too uppity. Right, and this is also another example of zero tolerance, which is why I'm not surprised by this. I mean, Mark, you mentioned that they take aspirin away from kids, so taking peppermint oil away from kids is also you know it's right along the same lines. Uh, they don't want. 
they don't want kids being able to make decisions for themselves about other products, basically. They want to have full and total control. I mean, it's like a jail. It's like jail, you know? I mean, they wouldn't want you smuggling peppermint oil into the jail either. They don't. They want to know what you're bringing in. They want to know... Even in jail, you wouldn't... I mean, having been spent eight and a half years in prison, at least, I granted it was more than a decade ago, but I can... You wouldn't go to confinement for having peppermint oil in your room. They wouldn't... They wouldn't extract you from regular prison population, which is what they've done with this little girl, taken her out of regular prison population and put her in her own special population. Um, yeah. Of course, it's suspension, uh, but it's it's still an institution. They wouldn't have done this in jail. You wouldn't have gotten in trouble, though, for bringing something in without permission? They would have taken permission. it away. They may very well have given you some kind of uh, paperwork for it, but confinement? No. Paperwork is in like a write-up or something? They might have. They might have. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Likely not, though. I mean, that is, that, I, that's my experience. I'm, I'm having to make a, you know, a call there. It's another example of the absurdities that are just numerous within the government education or government indoctrination camps. Get your kids the hell out of there if you can. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Bring up absolutely anything, and this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com, features including updates. You can get signed up at updates.freetalklive.com and get on the list. Be kept in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com. Intern at film and alternative media uh, uh, businesses, I guess. <laughs> the IHS Production Internship Program offers paid internships at uh, production companies making films, documentaries, online video programs, and more. The program includes a week-long interdisciplinary IHS seminar, a stipend, a housing allowance. Applicants at all levels of experience are encouraged to apply as long as they're of sort of college age, just going in, in college, or just coming out. Placements are available during the um, summer and fall. You can apply for um, the summer placement by February the the fifteenth, and uh, you know there's, it's it's a great opportunity to break into the industry. You get paid. They give you a housing allowance. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of kids uh, in the college age are having a difficult time finding jobs. This is a great way to get one. Uh, you go to libertarianinternships.com. Click over there. Uh, sign up. You have to sign up in order to get more information. Uh, that's libertarianinternships.com. All right, so we continue here uh, with your phone calls about what you want. Jim is in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jim. Hey, guys. How's it going? Super. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, um, recently my wife was involved in a uh, car accident. She uh, accidentally didn't see a you know, red light, went through went through it, hit another vehicle. And, uh, of course, she got a ticket. She all right? She, everyone, everyone was fine. Um, That's good. And uh, there's no problems there. But the issue here is, is that, of course, she was given a ticket. ticket was for $79, and she was given a mandatory mandatory court date that she had to go to. Mm-hmm. Now, they dropped the ticket, but uh, they slapped her with court costs. And uh, after it was paid, I got a, uh, a uh, itemization of uh, what the court costs are. Oh, okay. Uh, mind you, this is a car accident, okay? Um, just reading down the list here. Um, there's like about 20, 25 different individual items on here. Uh, 
circuit clerk was $10. The court automation fund is $15. I have no clue what that is. Probably hiring some geek to work on the computers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, state's attorney, $10. Court fee, $5. Security fund, $20. Document storage fee, $15. Um, wow. Skipping down a little bit here. Law enforcement camera fund, $2. Teen court fee, there were no teens involved in this accident, mind you. <laughs> Teen court fee, $4.75. Circuit clerk, $0.25. Cents. Crime Stoppers of Kankakee County, $1. Gang Violence Victim Witness Program, $1. Is your wife in a gang? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently she's in a gang. I Right, so that, that's her laughing in the background. Uh, <laughs> so the suggestion here is that these court costs would normally have to do with the cost they incurred to do business with your case or her case, but clearly well, that's think. not what's happening. Yeah, uh, clerk operation administration fund four fifty, prisoner review board vehicle fund fifty cents, uh, uh, city vehicle fund twenty dollars. Wow. This one gets me. Children's Advocacy Center, 20 bucks. How did you get this breakdown? <laughs> it was a receipt given to her after she paid for it. I'm amazed that they're doing the, that. I'm amazed they're breaking the, uh, that down. City of Kankakee, 75 bucks. What's the total? $235. And they dropped the charges. Right. <laughs> well, she didn't have to pay the ticket, but she has to pay the court costs. Unbelievable. And- <laughs> it's ludicrous. So the, the um, so the other party, they're get, they're being made whole by the insurance company. This is just a ticket handed out for, the, you know, by 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 the police. None of this money is going to the person who was injured. This is just no. the cops and the the courts yeah. and and whatever it is that they decide to make it. And it sounds like many different bureaucracies or sub uh, units of a bureaucracy that are already getting funding from elsewhere so this is just bonus cash for them basically every time they every time the court does business they love calling it that by the way business. Uh, every time they extort money from people uh, the, the every time they catch bucks. an accident they can get themselves inserted in between the two parties right it's have not, an accident you know, it's I not just personal see, uh, the children's advocacy center putting uh, vehicles on the on the city streets here in Kankakee uh, just trying to cause accidents so they can get this twenty dollars out of everyone. That's amazing. It's not personal. It's just business. Yeah. <laughs> just business. Hey, thanks for sharing that, Jimmy. You want to tell us anything else uh, about the experience? Well, I'm, well, fortunately or unfortunately, I guess depending on how you look at it, I wasn't there. But um, but it's just, I mean, of course, you know, my son was also in the the vehicle with my wife, and he was more shaken up than anything. But it's. I mean, the police were there, and they were acting nice to, the, to my son, and they're, they're, they're acting, acting very nice. Of course, they write the ticket out, and the fact of the matter is, is that if the cops weren't there, the insurance company could have, I would imagine, handled the situation. Sure, they could have. There's, there's no reason, there is no reason, in my opinion, that the county needed to be involved in this. Sure well, there is. They needed 250 bucks out of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Children's Advocacy Center needed 20 bucks, so... <laughs> right, and they want to be, they want to make it look like they're uh, they're doing you a favor by dropping the uh, the original ticket too. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and of course, you know the team court fee. Thanks you know, for sharing they, that uh, again. I, I appreciate hearing from you. Anything else you want to talk about, Jim? Um, a while back, I uh, forwarded something on to uh, Mark. Uh, he forwarded it on to you. It was um, Harry Brown uh, had an article back in the '60s. He wrote it called a um, a gift for my daughter. 
Yes. Yes, he did. I don't know if you've ever read that. I have, as a matter of fact, and I have it right here. We'll uh, we'll pull it up here in moments. Awesome. Thanks, Jim, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. I'd actually scheduled this originally uh, for Christmas because he wrote it on Christmas Day in 1966. And so we'll share it with you. Harry Brown, who's one of my uh, biggest, I would say one of my biggest influences. He's a wonderful, was a wonderful man, uh, two-time presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party back when they actually were the party of principle and gave a rat's ass about freedom. Uh, Harry Brown, just a wonderful guy, uh, author of Why Government Doesn't Work, which was the book that really brought me into uh, the liberty movement, as well as uh, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World, which is also fantastic. So here he is, uh, a gift for my daughter from Harry Brown, originally published as a syndicated newspaper column and dedicated at the time to his nine-year-old daughter. It's Christmas, and I have the usual problem of deciding what to give you. I know you might enjoy many things, books, games, clothes, but I'm very selfish. I want to give you something that will stay with you for more than a few months or years. I want to give you a gift that might remind you of me every Christmas. If I could give you just one thing, I'd want it to be a simple truth that took me many years to learn. If you learn it now, it may enrich your life in hundreds of ways, and it may prevent you from facing many problems that have hurt people who have never learned it. The truth is simply this, and everybody that's read uh, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World knows well this one. No one owes you anything. Now, how could such a simple statement be important? It may not seem so, but understanding it can bless your entire life. No one owes you anything. It means that no one else is living for you, my child, because no one is you. Each person is living for himself. His own happiness is all he can ever personally feel. When you realize that no one owes you happiness or anything else, you'll be freed from expecting what isn't likely to be. It means that no one has to, it means no one has to love you. If someone loves you, it's because there's something special about you that gives him or her happiness. Find out what that something special is and try to make it stronger in you so that you'll be loved even more. When people do things for you, it's because they want to, because you in some way give them something meaningful that makes them want to please you, not because anyone owes you anything. No one has to like you. If your friends want to be with you, it's not out of duty. Find out what makes others happy so they'll want to be near you. No one has to respect you, and that's one of the, my favorite axioms, uh, the idea that uh, you give other people what they want in order to get in return what you want. No really other way to get what you want. 800-259-9231. More from Harry Brown about why no one owes you anything and how that's so powerful. We'll come back with that and your comments about whatever you want. 800-259-9231. But you don't owe us a phone call. It's up to you to make it. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Amazon.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time, perhaps, for your call if you make it right now at 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI, 800-259-9231. You need some collections done with respect towards your clients? Get in touch with Jason Osborne and the good folks over at SACL CAI. Our number, again, 800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We do give you all the features on the site for free. And if you enjoy this program, you can help us by voting for Free Talk Live. How are we doing on that, Mark? Uh, I know that we were in first place yesterday. We need votes. We Um, still need votes. We we, we are in first place, but it's uh, it's, it's not enough of a lead to make me comfortable. Uh, Tomorrow's the last day of the month. um, We've left it alone most of the month, uh, but since we're in the last couple days of the month, we are going to do a final push here. Uh, Vote.freetalklive.com. Those of you that that have voted for us, thank you for doing that. Uh, Those of you who have not yet done so, please. Uh, take a moment. Go to vote.freetalklive.com. You only need your email address. It's used for verification purposes. Make sure you're not a robot. Uh, go to vote.freetalklive.com. So we continue. Harry Brown over at harrybrown.org, which thanks to Pamela, uh, Harry Brown's wife, his website, and some uh, some contributors as well. Uh, thanks to them, they've kept Harry Brown's website online. Harry Brown, that's Brown with an E, harrybrown.org. And you can read all of his fantastic articles, which he was a very prolific writer in the libertarian movement uh, when he was alive, all the way up till his uh, his last days. He was he was cranking out articles till pretty much the very end. And he's, he's so sharp and so brilliant. Uh, and as you were pointing out, Wayne, during the break, he came out with a series of articles immediately after the – was it the 9-11, 9/11. Uh, yeah. attacks? Yep. And they were very critical of the, you know, the, uh, the, the Iraq war concept and all of that. And, uh, In our foreign policy. Foreign policy. And yep. he was spot on, just spot on. And it was one of those things where even some so-called libertarians were saying, you shouldn't be saying those things right now. You shouldn't be saying those things. But Harry Brown was uh, – he had the courage to say it, and he did. And uh, so take a moment. Go and explore his website. There's some great stuff there. And read his books. Uh, download. Mm-hmm. You can grab the PDF versions, or uh, you can try to find the actual published versions online as well. They're great. And there's a book called Failsafe Investing, which Love is very, that book. very relevant even today. Uh, in fact, I probably should re- uh, revisit that book. It's a great teeny little book, too. It's not hard to get through at all. I think like maybe 97 pages or something like it's that. It's mostly about concepts, which are good, because once you understand the framework and the concepts, and uh, then it's not hard to make decisions. So let's continue. The story here is an article by Harry Brown written back in 1966 on Christmas Day. It's called A Gift for My Daughter. And he's pointing out here that no one owes you anything. This is a very important lesson in life, that nobody has to like you. If your friends want to be with you, it's not out of duty. Find out what makes others happy so they'll want to be near you. No one has to respect you. Some people may even be unkind to you. But once you realize that people don't have to be good to you and may not be good to you, you'll learn to avoid those who would harm you because you don't owe them anything either. No one owes you anything. You owe it to yourself to be the best person possible because if you are, others will want to be with you. They'll want to provide you with the things that you want in exchange for what you're giving to them. Some people will choose not to be with you for reasons that have nothing to do with you. When that happens, look elsewhere for the relationships that you want. Don't make someone else's problem your problem. Once you learn that you must earn the love and respect of others, you'll never expect the impossible, and you won't be disappointed. Others don't have to share their property with you, nor their feelings or thoughts. If they do, it's because you've earned these things. And you have every reason to be proud of the love you receive, your friends' respect, the property you've earned. But don't ever take them for granted. If you do... You could lose them. 
They're not yours by right. You must always earn them. A great burden was lifted from my shoulders the day I realized that no one owes me anything. For as long as I thought there were things I was entitled for so long as I thought there were things I was entitled to, I'd been wearing myself out, both physically and emotionally, trying to collect them. No one owes me moral conduct, respect, friendship, love, courtesy, or intelligence. And once I recognized that, all of my relationships became far more satisfying. I've focused on being with people who want to do the things that I want them to do. That understanding, uh, that understanding has served me well with friends, business associates, lovers, sales prospects, and strangers. It constantly reminds me that I can get what I want only if I can enter the other person's world. I must try to understand how he thinks, what he believes to be important, and what he wants. Only then can I appeal to someone in ways that will bring me what I want. And only then I can tell, uh, only then can I tell whether I really want to be involved with someone. And I can save the important relationships for those with whom I have the most in common. It's not easy to sum up in a few words what has taken me years to learn, but maybe if you reread this gift each Christmas, the meaning will become a little clearer every year. I hope so. This is the real gift of Christmas, kids. I yeah. hope so, says Harry, for I want more than anything else for you to understand this simple truth that can set you free. No one owes you anything. From Harry Brown. Good stuff. Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. Uh, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Comments on that, gents? You just I'm going to read it to my kids tomorrow, that article. You know, I, there's there's nothing to uh, there's nothing to say because it's so complete. I mean, if you do think that the world owes you something, you're going to be one unhappy <laughs> yeah. individual uh, suffering. I mean, yeah. if, if you think that the world uh, that there's somebody out there owes you health care, education, clean water, but I Mark, health care is a right. Right, you can say it all you want; it doesn't make it true. That's uh, the mentality, though, right? There are a lot yeah. of people that have that particular mentality. Uh, they they absolutely do. Well, there's a really good uh, speech about that uh, by Judge Napolitano recently. On, he was hosting the Glenn Beck show, and he actually got into the fact that health care is good. It's not a right. And it's a service. He, it's a service, right. And, well, he just generally says it's a good, but yeah. you know what I'm talking about. But, yes, and, and the fact that you uh, someone else has to perform that service for you at, at gunpoint does not make it a right, because you're taking someone else's rights away. And uh, that's uh, an example of what's known as positive rights, which are fallacious, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, uh, the idea of rights, and, and I think that's what they are, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm for them, the idea of rights spring from the fact that you own yourself. If you own you, that means that you, uh, you have the right to speak your mind, at least on your property. You can't come to my window and yell yodel all night long. Um, that, that's, that's not your right to free speech. But you have the right to speak your mind on your property or communal property, um, you know, property that you are a part owner in. Um, you have the right to your own religion. It comes from the inside of you. You have the right to protect yourself and your family. You have the right to earn um, you know, with your labor what it is that you, you know, keep what you earn and you know, deal with others and the, the fact that you wish to deal with them. You have, you know, right to privacy of your stuff, um, you know, not be people just come on your property and rummage through it if they wish to. All those come from you owning you. But you owning you has really nothing to do with, say, health care. Health is the big debate right now. We'll use mm -hmm. that. Um, so you don't have the right to demand that I provide you with health care because that means I don't own me. If you can take 
my labor, um, you know, the fruits of my labor, and provide yourself with health care from them. You own me. I don't own me. And if I can do that with you, you, I own you. You don't own me. So this whole idea of this, uh, you know, democracy where we all decide what we do together, that's crazy. Terrible idea. Right. You so, don't own me. You can't move my arm. You shouldn't be able to decide what I do with my money, even if you can get all your friends together and vote for that. Even if every person in the United States demands that they can all have it, I should be able to do what I want. It's rape. It really. It's. I mean, it's a form of, uh, of right. a serious violation. It certainly is. Isn't there a big difference between consensual, uh, consensual sex and, and rape? Absolutely. It's the, a huge difference. Right. Just because you can get ten guys together to hold a woman down and uh, brutalize her doesn't mean that that's right. In the same way, just because you can get a group of people together to force a doctor to provide somebody with services well, doesn't mean that's right it's either. It's not rape. It's robbery because they're not taking you sexually. No, they're no, no. They're raping stuff. the the doctor's freedom. They are taking that person's That's freedom away from them. That's ki- kidnapping. I understand. I'm not using rape in a, in a sexual term. I'm just using it in a violent kind of, uh, Force, they've taken your freedom from you kind of way. It's a, I'm, I'm li- directly linking what they're doing to the doctors and the nurses in America to uh, forcibly holding a woman down and having sex with her. I understand it's not as serious uh, as far as, you know, they're not actually being physically violated. But they are being violated in the same way that they're not able to, uh, to control themselves anymore. When doctors and patients can act consensually and voluntarily to provide service, uh, then you have a, a more of a free society. When, when, when doctors are being forced to provide a service for you at a certain uh, uh, meaning, meaningless price, which they do, the, doc, the government doesn't pay the doctors anything once you get socialized medicine. They're not paid well. And, and make no mistake that we don't have a free market in medicine now. Um, the, the government is so thoroughly entrenched in the insurance uh, fields and mm-hmm. the, the medical fields that you don't have anything like that. Um, but, you know, the, the idea is, is would be to get the government completely out, and then you would have a free market. Prices would plummet yep. because the regulation would, uh, would, 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 would diminish, and, um, you know, doctors would be able to do business without all the paperwork that's required. I yes. use uh, rape in the, in the definition number four from the dictionary, an act of plunder, violent seizure, or abuse, despoilation, violation. Not necessarily uh, referencing sex. So, we're done. It's Benny in here with you. And Wade. And Mark. Back tomorrow night for the Christmas... Oh, wait, no. New Year's Eve. What week is this? New Year's Eve edition of the show. We'll be here live. Talk to you then. Freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. The... Edgington Post interview series continues, and uh, today I have with me a, a guy that's here in New Hampshire doing um, some sort of unusual stuff uh, to help people who um, I, you know, have medical issues. It's Carl Hedberg, and he is a, a cannabis care coach with Finest Green. Carl, are you there? Yes, I am. Excellent. Good. Um, now, tell, me, tell, me, tell our listeners uh, what it is that you do as a cannabis care coach. Well, I work with uh, patients who have already been recommended that they use uh, cannabis by their physicians, and most of these patients are critically ill patients, and uh, unfortunately, the the way that people generally use cannabis when they are uh, prescribed it or recommended it by a doctor is through smoking. That's the common way. That's the way that most people 
uh, try it at first. Mm-hmm. But what I have discovered is a, is a whole range of different uh, care strategies, including uh, tincture, which is a, an alcohol reduction right. of the, the essence, and then the, the food and the edibles, that type of thing. So there's just a whole range, and it's really a strategy to reduce the smoking component uh, within their care strategy that they're already practicing. Now, doesn't doesn't smoking deliver uh, the THC or whatever it is that they need for the treatment of their illness? Doesn't it deliver it much more quickly? Yes, and and I always recommend that there there are um, it, smoking cannot be completely eliminated, uh, but also there's uh, vaporization. Right, I was going to just mention that. Right, and that and that can uh, deliver it quite quickly as well. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, to people, it sort of seems like the same thing, but it really isn't. Um, there's there there's differences in smoking, and as far as uh, you know, I don't know. You could probably tell me better than say better than I can. Well, you know, a lot of people say um, vaporization is is there's no smoke involved at all. But when you really look at the process, there, I, I believe there is probably a little bit of um, smoke towards the end because you start at a at a given lower temperature, which strips the cannabinoids. Um, from the from the uh, the material, but then you get a little hotter and a little hotter and use up the whole thing. And towards the end of the scale of the heat, you I think you do tend to burn a little, but it's so much less than than actually uh, combusting the leaves, uh, yeah. because all you're doing is you're turning them brown. You're not, you're not blackening them at all. Now you do this here in New Hampshire. Medical marijuana isn't legal in New Hampshire, but the federal government has said that they're not going to go after medical marijuana patients. So, how does tell me tell me about you know um, cannabis care coaches in New Hampshire? What's that like? Well, it's it it has a there is a risk component to it uh, because what I do is although I'm just uh, giving patients a new set of skills and I'm meeting them in in their own homes. Yeah. Um, I do tend to um, show them how to make tincture, and I'm taking um, cannabis, and I'm, I'm showing them only with, with probably about a, less than a quarter of an ounce, usually only about, you know, five or seven grams. Mm-hmm. And, and that actually produces only about 200 drops, but it gives them the education to, to make it on their own. Now, that is illegal. Obviously, you know, uh, formulating anything out of cannabis in New Hampshire is illegal, but because the amounts I'm using are so small, I just think it's not as if I'm flying under the radar. They know I'm here, but it's but it, I'm just I, I'm not transporting it. I'm not selling it. I'm not um, committing any any major crimes at all. And so I, if if you do have problems with the uh, the local authorities, please let me know. Um, you know that I think that they need the the you know whatever weight media can uh, bring upon them for for you know going after somebody who's trying to provide care to sick people. I think they need right. that that weight. Yes, exactly. And I and I really believe I'm I'm 53 years old and and I, I'm a danger to nobody. So I, I don't believe that they're going to come after me. Uh, that's very good. Now, um, what about the the people that do need help with the you know their their illness? I mean, do their doctors prescribe marijuana, or do they really just find out um, by looking on the internet and say, "Wow, it it, I, it seems like with my illness, whether you know whatever, whatever that illness might be, um, marijuana has been a good treatment. Maybe I should talk to my doctor about it." And then their doctor's like, "Oh, you know, maybe." You know, how's that go? I, I think you, you've really hit the, the nail on the head because in 2009, specifically because of the power of the Internet, I think that cannabis is now a health care issue instead of a law and order issue. 
of course, at the government level, it's still a law and order issue, but I think more and more patients, especially women, are beginning to look at this as, for instance, Queen Victoria used cannabis tincture for, for PMS really? and, and for, for those types of pains that most women right now are using pharmaceuticals. So there is a drive towards, oh, wow, you know, cannabis, never tried that, but, gee, it's safe and effective and it hasn't killed anyone for 5,000 years. Maybe right. it's worth at least trying it. And I think so that I it, think, I think it bears to mention at this moment that uh, that prescription medication, when used as the doctor prescribes it, has it kills a hundred thousand people in America daily or a, a year. Oh wow! I didn't know that that's, many. That's oh. that's the number that I've been I've heard. Now you know. I mean, wow. you, you know, you hear what you hear, right? <laughs> so uh, yeah. one needs to check that. But the fact is. Pharmaceutical drugs are dangerous. Marijuana has never really killed anyone, not from the use of it, at least. Exactly. And, and if you look at, at um, for instance, the, the um, uh, Heath Ledger or the actress Brittany Murphy, they, the, the initial impression is, well, they died of, of natural causes. But the fact is they used an awful lot of pharmaceuticals in their lives. Mm -hmm. we, we know that. So maybe there's not a direct cause and effect but I'm, I'm looking at more of a, uh, a strategy for cannabis replacement and substitution for pharmaceuticals and, and for alcohol and that type of thing. And that would be more down the road when it becomes legal. Yeah. But I think these types of issues, the, the fact that people are actually talking now about uh, openly about replacing alcohol use with, with cannabis for people who are in trouble with alcohol, that's a huge step forward. And I think that that even in New Hampshire, they're beginning, there's this upswell. I mean, 70% of the people in New Hampshire are in favor of medical marijuana uh, for patients who need it. There's just one governor that's not. <laughs> exactly, yes. That's the problem. <laughs> so, and, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I have, I've met so many people who use cannabis medicinally. It's amazing to me that the lawmakers that we go up and we speak to, you know, in Concord, they don't seem to, they don't seem to know anyone. Who, who can benefit from it, and, and it just seems that there's also a, a blind side where they say, well, no, they make pills for these ailments, and there's no reason to try cannabis. But as you just said, pills can be dangerous. So um, have you, how, many, how many cases are you familiar with in, in New Hampshire where medic, um, you know, people that use uh, marijuana medically um, have you know, come up against the law and, and uh, uh, you know, the police officers and stuff like that? You know, I, I can't name one. Yeah. I think that they're, the, the, the people that I have met along the way, they're, they're kind of under the radar. Most of them are in their 40s and 50s, and, and they're respected citizens. Um, of course, David Ord in, in Hollis, um, there was that whole aspect of when, when he had the 20 plants growing, and that was a big news story. Mm. I don't know anything I, about it. Well, it was a farmer. There's a there's a very well respected farmer down in in Hollis, and he has uh, I think it's like 300 acres, and he was caught growing 20 plants. And in New Hampshire, there's, that's a huge offense. Mm -hmm. And it went through um, 18 months of, of trial, et cetera. So he managed to get it down to right now it's at two years probation, uh, but they're appealing to the to the state supreme court. And he had it so for medical purposes. No, well, yes, in in fact, he did, but it didn't. It, I, I believe, he probably was using it medicinally in certain ways, but Jen, but that never came out. He didn't. He didn't really talk about that. Um, hmm. But they. But I think that that anyone who uses 
um, cannabis medicinally, it, it's important to, to kind of state that because I think that's the argument. Um, yeah, because think about it, recreational users have been screaming for 30 years to legalize it, and it was only when patient uh, care started to come into the picture that we really started to see some movement. Yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate that it has to be um, that legalization seems to be coming along the the path of uh, the, the, you know medicinal uh, use. But I I think that it's I think medicinal use is probably the you know sort of the highest most important level. So I'm you know I'm I'm kind of torn on the issue. I don't think that uh, the government should be involved in it. Period. Um, so I think that people should be able to use it uh, recreational bit, recreationally. But I think it's it's more important that the people that need to use it medically get get the, the care first. Right, and, and, and the most surprising thing, especially from, from uh, family members, because the, your, your closest family members are the ones who get most worried about these, you know, my taking this path, and I totally respect that. But what's interesting is, is that I just, I just reject the notion that I need a legal permission from my government to make a responsible use of a flower that's been used for 5,000 years as medicine. It, it just doesn't make sense to me, and I'm astounded by how many U.S. citizens that really doesn't occur to. That, you know, we're pushed by laws into the pharma care system. Mm. And, and so the, these laws that they create, they're beginning to unravel, I think, because people, um, especially Americans, and I, I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, but we are ruled by our own self-interest. And when something, for instance, the Gore, Gore's movie... When he appeals to the self-interest of Americans, all of a sudden they wake up, mm. and and I think that's what's happening right now. People are because we the the lawmakers are saying, okay, okay, we'll approve it for for 500 patients in the state uh, medicinally um, because they're dying or they're critically ill. But when you start to appeal to people's self-interest and say, well, you know, it works for headaches, it works for PMS and menopause and all sorts of regular mundane, you know mundane, not really mundane, but lower, not deadly illnesses, people begin to wake up and say, well, wait a minute, why am I using all these expensive pharmaceuticals if I can grow this plant in my garden or get it from, from a care grower for, for free or for very short money. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's another tough issue. It would be nice to just it, it grows very easily. It'd be nice to just grow it at your house, but it's such a more dangerous thing than buying a um, an ounce or whatever from from somebody who who has it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Cult- cultivation is is where I, I think the big battle is. That, that's why I oppose any um, any legislation that doesn't allow personal cultivation because they just all they're trying to do is keep us in their their little healthcare system box. I see. Um, and legalizing personal cultivation, meaning oh, I don't know, under under ten plants or under five plants or whatever it is, is is a critical step in in getting this in into the hands of rank and file Americans. Well, Carl, will you keep in touch with me and uh, let me know how things are going? As um, you know, as with with you, and if you do get any trouble from the authorities, please let me know. Uh, I certainly will. Thank you. And it, you know, if our listeners want to get involved with you in some way, um, can you give some kind of contact information? Let them know what you're, um, you know, what you're doing and and how to get a hold of you, real quick. Yeah, I, I'm at. They can reach me at Carl at uh, thefinestgreen.net. And obviously, the the website is thefinestgreen.net, all one word. And what can somebody expect if they go to thefinestgreen.net? 
Uh, the, it'll give you the. It's only. It's a very simple website with only just uh, just description of the process on the first page, and then there's a link to some slides that explains a little bit about myself and a little bit about what the the different uh, formulations of the cannabis that, that I talk about. 